the St. Paul Filmcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Vince. Uh, Dan will be with us. Uh, today is our end of the year extravaganza. So we talk about all the movies from this year. And then later on at the end of the podcast, we're going to give our uh, tops. So Right, tops our tops of the year. But um, this whole year has been, I would say, probably one of the better than last year. Would you give that? In terms of movies that have been yeah. released? Yeah. I thought that there was a... a uh, a number of originals that came out right. this year more so than last year. I mean, last year seemed like it was like sequel upon sequel. Right. Yeah. And then last year, uh, well, last year really poured on the last two weeks of really good movies and you had to wait. And this year actually was spread out a little bit. So um, the sad thing is, and we talked about in our prep, um, Den of Thieves gets missed out as a movie that is not really, a, it's a solid movie. But when you look at movies of this year, I have not find it. It's kind of like a miss. I don't want to be like an advocate for this movie, but it's a good movie. It was a great movie, I thought. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those movies that maybe didn't appeal to such a wide audience. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you like but it's action. But it's not, a, it's not a horrible movie. No, it's really well done, I thought. I thought it was a nice, like action thriller because mm -hmm. it had a good solid amount of action in it right and it was very like uh who done it type of like um thriller type of situation yeah and who, who really is the bad guys the yeah. bad guys or the cops who are being bully bullies to the bad guys yeah. right yeah um i i necessarily um i've saw red sparrow i thought that was a little slightly little inflated the ratings for it i thought it was okay but it just didn't have i, I think saw it was red a sparrow whole, also yeah it was just it didn't have a whole lot of nothing to me. And I, at the ending, it was like, okay, that's the rev revelation. I wasn't really all that interested in. Right. You could yeah. kind of guess the ending anyway, <laughs> yeah. but halfway through, given, yeah. you know, I just thought it could have been better. Right. Right. I, I, yeah. I thought it lacked. It, a, it felt like you're leading up to something and then that's it. And you're kind of like, yeah. Right, yeah. Good sound effect. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what that was. <laughs> um, one of the big surprises that I actually. People were telling me to go see it, and I was like, "Really?" And I went to see it and enjoyed it. I I hate myself for enjoying it, but Game Night was a great movie. I really like Game Night. Right. I I went into seeing that with like absolutely zero expectations. Like, right. oh, is this gonna be like Date Night? You know, that was just so disappointing. But yes. I'm like, wow, this actually turned out to be really fun. I know. Is is Jason Bateman acting anymore, or he's just showing up? To he's like in everything though, right? I <laughs> right. Mean, he but gets, he doesn't look like he's acting. He's just like, oh. Oh, we're doing this now in the movie. Oh, okay. He just looks like he's in on the joke. Oh, yeah. That's... I think that's because he's plays the same character <laughs> in every single movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Because he's always kind of that jerk that you kind of like, but right. that you really hate. Right. If 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 Jason Bateman insults you, it's almost like a compliment. Right. <laughs> it's exactly what it is because right. that's how that's how his character is. I mean, I, even like I, and I liked I like Tag was actually a pretty good funny movie this year. I don't know why I don't have it in my top 10. That was actually, it was a great comedy. It was funny. It was awesome. And like, even like, I, I one of the things I did, you know, with the movie, because it's like, hey, based off a true story, right? You yeah. Know, that I had to research, you know, what is this true story? When any, everything is says that it's based off a true story, yeah. I'm going to look up what the true story <laughs> is, right? To the source and then yeah. try to compare it and such. And they did a really good job. Now, obviously, they added characters that, you know, they combined characters because there right. was more than just four of them that played this game. It was like a group of 10 to 12 people that were playing this game. Um, and I thought they did an awesome job at it. I mean, every one of the characters was fabulous. And it starts off quick. Remember, that he's a doctor interviewing for a janitorial position. 
And you think, like, what is going on? And he's like, no, I really want to do cleanup and stuff. <laughs> it looks, I think you're overqualified for this. But all the characters are very well defined. And, and it's, it, it, I'm sure a lot of them are, you know, smiling at the camera that they're doing this. But you get totally enthralled with it. I did like Tag. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I, I've probably seen it like three or four times. Yeah. Because I, I rewatched it because it has that rewatchability. Because you, you want to know if you missed something. Oh, and uh, what's her name that's actually married in real life? Sasha Baron Cohen um, at Ilsa Fisher, the wife. The wife of, uh, uh, oh, my God, of Hawkeye. <laughs> Not Hawkeye, Ed Helms. Ed Helms' wife, okay. Yeah, she, that Ilsa, oh, my God, she's intense. Right, and they wouldn't let the girls play, so all she could do was, like, tag along, but she she didn't really count right until the end, right? Yeah. She, I've loved her, like, in every, she's married to Sasha Baron Cohen. I didn't yep. know that, but I yeah. liked her pretty much in every movie that she's in. Uh, what do you think of uh, Death of Stalin? That was kind of a comedy that's not a really, it's... So how do you, so like, here's the question. How do you define with Death that is, comedy, right? Because right? yeah. it's like, here's a person that murdered millions, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And how do you make light of that, right? You mock it. Yeah. You, every, I you, thought they succeeded. I mean, yeah. Steve Buscemi, again, he's one of my favorite actors. And The so, funny thing is, it's not in Russian. Right, it's, all it's, all, it's all in English, right? They all speak so English. Jeffrey Tambor saying, "Y'all can kiss my Russian ass in English," as he, right? As he's leading the leading the country. Yeah. So I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of hilarious, but again, it was tackling a very dark death subject. Like, oh yeah, we just uh, you know uh, slaughtered a bunch of millions of people that wanted to actually just come and say hi to you and right. see you. You know, oops, our bad. Right. <laughs> you know, so it was like. How do you make that funny in a high tense anxiety area of the country? And you know that a situation. How do you make fun of it? And they, I think they did a very well job of making fun of the situation. Right, and I, and I thought they did a pretty good job of of actually portraying how it really was the power struggle with even within the close knit top people there of how they really were trying to kind of kill each other. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. You know how that was like. You know, like no one wanted Trotsky to to take over and things of that nature. And no one wanted um, uh, Lenin Khrushchev, to take over. And Khrushchev is just, you know, Steve Buscemi is playing. It's just hilarious. He know? was, he yeah. was. And so I, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I didn't, um, I don't know. I've only watched it once, right? Because it's one of those It's movies. one of those, right, once and you're kind of done. Not like Tag. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's not like something that I want to rewatch again. But really. I definitely, if you haven't seen it, I would say give it a watch. Especially if you like to be entertained and have a somewhat, part of history told to yep. you yep you know so I, I liked it and now one of the movies that i saw this year and i know that you've seen it was the endless yeah and it's surprisingly not going to make my top 10 but i really do like this independent film and so one of the things after yeah. watching it because you know i'm like i was told that it was a sequel to another movie and i was like really what movie is that well it's the resolution that came out in 2012 okay and you don't need to watch it before watching The Endless, but if you do no. watch it, The Endless makes a whole lot more sense um, because there's certain scenes in The Endless, certain characters you encounter in The Endless where they make reference to like, oh, we've seen this person before, or we met before, but you're like, right. we're just meeting you for the first time in this movie. Well, guess what? They do meet him before, and it's in, in the resolution. Um, and it's it's you find out a lot more about the area that they're in on the resolution than what you do find out in the endless. If I, th I think uh, the, uh, if you like the TV show Lost, you would love the movie The Endless. There's a lot of 
fill in the blanks, you know, maybe your interpretation of what's going on. There's definitely some very surreal things happening. The rope, you know, the rope game or whatever. Like, what is going on what's, here? Yeah, what's up? Uh, what's this? Um, but I, th- I think it, the, the fear of not moving ahead, that you're always circling, you're spinning your wheels, as the phrase is, you're not really going anywhere, is a terrifying fear of fear for some people and it's played out in this movie it is it is and you're not quite sure are they all caught like in time loops or like what exactly is this entity you know that they're encountered with and it's it's really i think it's a movie yeah it's really weird yeah really weird but if you if you like a suspenseful you know, I think it's billed as a horror movie, which I really wouldn't call it a horror movie. No, no, I would call it cringy. <laughs> it definitely is cringeworthy, and it yeah. definitely does, you know, if if you're that type of person, it would raise the hairs on the back of your necks with some of the things that are, they encounter in it. Right. But for an independent film, I'm like, I was really impressed with the acting, I was really impressed with the cinematography, and I was really impressed with the, the uh, special effects that they did with it. So it's definitely a, a worth a watch. Uh, another good popcorn movie that we both really enjoyed was Rampage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both of us played it in arcade in say, between we, movies, for God's sakes. We <laughs> grew up with this stuff, right? You go to the movie theater, you're yeah. like, hey, let's go to the arcade here for a minute before the movie starts or in between the next movie, right? And, nope, there's River there's, City Rampage that you can play there. And, you know, I thought that that movie was done really well. They, they they were able to portray a relationship between a man and a beast, right? Yep. That I didn't think they were going to succeed at doing. And it's like, wow, you kind of really do feel for this ape, you know, even after him being injected and being all rampages and stuff. So yeah. um, I've yeah. seen that one actually three times this year. So And it, it plays on the ridiculous. This is kind of ridiculous. This probably won't happen in real life, but it, it makes out in the movie, you know. How, how do you get able to study gorillas, but you're in the gym all the time? You know, <laughs> right? right? I mean, you got the rock here. It's just nothing but muscle, but yeah, right. he's an animal specialist, right? And you got the over-the-top villains who know they're over-the-top and they enjoy Brother-sister villains, right? right. I, I love not... it when you can have brother-sister villains. Right. Yeah. And and it has peppered enough comedy to keep it fun and, you know, the whole... And the, it's all well and done. I like the pacing of the animals, just like in the video game. It takes them a while to tear a building down. They're they're taking their sweet time getting there. Yeah, right. And and then the the gator at the end, you know, the surprise one that just is like twice as large of all the other ones, and he's just brutal. So it, it's definitely if you haven't seen it, you know, I don't know if it's on Netflix or if you can get it at your local. If there are local video store rental places anymore, um, <laughs> or if you can pick it up at Best Buy, or if people go there anymore um, <laughs> to see it because it's worth a watch. What's one that you've seen that you don't think I've ever seen? I mean, you've seen Smallfoot. No- Smallfoot. Let's talk about that because that just came out this month, right? Uh, it, it was either this month or last month. Smallfoot's opposite of a Bigfoot. Right, right. So, like, we are so used to us going, hey, the Bigfoot's searching for Bigfoot, right? Right, yeah. Well, you come <laughs> upon, you know, this, this person, uh, their plane has gotten damaged and they crash. And as it's crashing, you encounter a community of Sasquatch, Bigfoot people, abominable snowman people, sure, right? right? Right. And they're like, whoa, what's that? And one of them runs off and tries to investigate and he sees like small footprints, right? And he's like, oh my God, it's a small foot. <laughs> they're, right? So they're, they're re- reversing the, uh, I get it. I get Total it. reversal of like somebody like right. being like, um, 
uh, you know, hey, here's a video of a no, Sasquatch. The, the Bigfoots are actually playing on us. I saw a smallfoot person. They yes. don't exist. Oh, yeah. Right. And it also plays off of like, hey, this is a primitive people where like they um, all their laws and rules are written on stone tablets. Yeah. yeah. And such. So it's very like, oh, we're like they're being kept from the truth kind of like if all we did was live our life based off the 10 commandments and things of that nature that were written in stone tablets so there's a lot of um a lot of things like that going on in there in terms of the storytelling about how like there's a small group of rebel abominable people that want to like bring the truth to okay. the other ones but the leadership wants to hold the truth right to yep. protect the people and such so it's really a great fun movie um, I, I, I would see it again. I don't know if it's still in the theaters or not at this point because I don't know if it did so well. Uh, but it is really just a fun time. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else really more to say about it. I got one for you. Uh, it came out a couple weeks ago. Um, it's an independent film. You Might Be a Killer. Have you seen that? I heard about this. Uh, I have not heard about it. Uh, Fran Kranz from Cabin in the Woods. Very much of the ilk of Cabin in the Woods, Scream, and behind the mask of this movie called You Might Be a Killer, which actually started out as a Twitter thread of all the ingredients you need for a horror movie to know that you might be the killer. And it, it comes across as the beginning of the movie that you see Fran coming into a cabin. He's caked in blood. He's all petrified. He's calling for help, and he finds his friend, calls up his friend, which is Allison Harrigan, <laughs> right? And she's providing all this increments. Well, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? Yes, yes. And you survived all that? Well, you might be the killer. So it's one of those very much increments. And I said when I I shot it on our Instagram that if you keep your horror trope checklist available, you mark them off, that it's a wonderful play in horror movies. You get it all the... It, and it has, is this an independent film? One? Yeah, it's shot in like the early late 70s, early 80s texture look. It's in the cabin, of course. The counselors are always going to, you know... In their one hot counselor that everybody likes, and the choice of weapon is always very gaudy, and there's a mask involved, and it's all the you stuff that have you a mask. you always <laughs> right have a mask, right? And somebody's always always saturated in blood and all that stuff, and then Allison Harrigan's playing the girl at the video store, you know. Oh, old. video store. So it is yeah, that old. Yeah, it yeah. is that old. Okay. And it's wonderful. Like you do even the background when she's at the video store is all the wonderful movie posters that you all recognize uh, the background that you're from the late seventies and eighties that you get a kick out of. One of the posters are from a movie come bomb city that came out this, this year too. Really? Yeah. Bomb city was a true story of, um, these punk rock kids and these prep kids get to, they get a friction in a town in Texas and, uh, it's actually too sorry if it uh, got a lot of good raids. I just haven't been able to watch it yet. Uh, speaking of a movie that maybe you haven't seen, um, right. mid-90s. I actually just saw this the other day. Right, this Jonah Hill one. Jonah Hill written and directed, and it's actually filmed in 4 by 3 aspect ratio, so it's like classic TV size, not your widescreen. So All like right. he went like the full nine yards on it in terms of trying to make it look like authentic 90s, right? And you follow the story follows like a 14 year old kid, you know, who's kind of like not sure of his place in the world and um, kind of, you know, wants to learn how to be a skateboarder. And he starts hanging out with these. It's hard to say that they're bad. I mean, OK, for the most part, most of them are bad influences right. <laughs> on it. Um, but it's it's really just a, 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 um, a kind of coming of age story. Uh, I don't know if I would say that it's like Oscar worthy or not like that. But it definitely was entertaining. Um, 
we uh, um, we put it out there for on Twitter of anybody else mentioning what was your best movie of the year and uh, the WDIM podcast. What does it matter podcast? Um, listed as mid nineties as their best movie of the year. Really? Yep. So very interesting. very under the radar, and I don't think it gets truly the uh, love that it deserves. So yeah, right. Because I mean, the if you look at the previews, they kind of make make it look like it's like a home video shot movie and it's not right right. that's what you watch a trailer that kind of looks like that kind of texture of just almost like days confused with skateboards right it's a little bit like days and confused where you have like you know your different characters of like you know you have like your your smart aleck right right? you have like your kind of mentor type of person you have like your just uh, i don't know where i fit in type of person like that wants to be along and wants to try to fit in. And then okay. you have your main character, which is just like, I'm just looking for something to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. And who has a troubled oh, family all, life. We all are on. Yeah. We're that age. Yeah. Right. You know, and it takes place, of course, in the mid nineties. Right. So you have Super Nintendo uh, kind of featured in there as the video console with the, with the brothers playing video games. It's on a Super Nintendo. So it's very stylistic. Uh, in that it, uh, like I said, four by three format uh, aspect ratio versus your 16 by nine or your 2.35 to one, um, which we're used to in terms of cinema. And it just was a really good, it flowed really well. The ending was kind of unexpected. Okay. Um, and so if you haven't seen it and you're looking for just like a good movie that I really don't know how to place it, like it's not really a drama, it's not. You know, it's it's one of those just like a story. Just type go at it. Let's just do it as yeah. Let's see what it yeah. Just like a story based. Almost thing. seems like it's unscripted. Very much so, but okay. but the the home video type shots is because you know that's what they did. Skateboarders did just like today. You use your phone to like record like your stunts and your things. Yeah. You know, back then people actually had to have like home video cameras. <laughs> you know, to like record their stunts and put themselves out there to get shown around. Um, and you had to actually make copies and give them to people, right? Because there was no internet to really share it with. So it, it's a good movie to see. Uh, one that I've been advocating for since like spring is I Kill Giants. And that I actually just adore this movie. That's one I skipped out on. But, um, but go ahead and she, tell me. Um, it's a, a woven tale of harsh reality with fantasy mixture. Obviously, she has this concept that she's the only one that can slay these giants that only she can sh- see. She has these certain tropes that are provide her with weapons to kill giants. Um, really, the story is about grief and despair and loneliness and how you can handle things your own way. And um, Zoe Saldana, she's from the Gallery of the Galaxy. She yeah. comes in as a counselor. Um, great performances all around with the movie. I Kill Giants, based on the comic book, and it really does, uh, really keeps with the source material. Can I so, ask you a question about it? Because yeah. one of the, th- the things that I've read about it is that it, it's the, the name is really kind of deceiving. That the giant, are there giants? They are, right? Don't come in. They don't come in very late in the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things that people are like. Ah, it's not what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> it's such. So I kind of stayed away from it's, it. It's not Harry Potter, folks. This okay. is not. You know, this is not a little Harry Potter, and I'm in this world though. It's very, um, very bouncing between reality and fantasy. You know, almost. Yeah, almost like a. Yeah. Speaking of Harry Potter, let's right. talk about the crimes of Grindelwald. Okay, I have not. This, this is interesting. I haven't seen this one. So I did see Johnny this Depp's one. in this. Johnny Depp. Well, you know, it was revealed in the end of Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. That Johnny Depp uh, was Grindelwald, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. He Grindelwald apparently is like the person who can't be named in the before time. 
right? Right. But before, uh, wow, well, I, I can't even tell you what the name of what was Fantastic Beast. I don't know what. what no, no, no. Uh, Voldemort. There we go. Right. right. So this is pre Voldemort, <laughs> right? For you Harry Potter fans out there. Yeah. And wow, I mean, it's it's talk about unexpected in terms of like just the amount of death and, and, and really? destruction in it. Yeah. And just how cold. I wouldn't hearted. expect to see that when I go. Yeah. Right. I would. Yeah. Like, this is from the writer of Harry Potter stuff. Right. And where like, you know, everything's yeah. all fantastic, but like no one really kind of dies. Right. Wow. I mean, like we're not talking that it's not limited to just killing adults. We're talking babies and everything in this movie. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like it, it was pretty brutal in that aspect. And uh, it was very unexpected because I'm not really a Harry Potter fan, but I wanted to see this because I saw Fantastic Beasts and I actually liked it. Yeah. And I just have to say, um, what's what's her name? The, the writer. Uh, J.K. J.K. Rowling. It's like I understand why now she's a, a multi-billionaire. <laughs> because wow, she can really she can really write, and she's very entertaining. So you should see it, even if you don't like Harry Potter, or if you haven't even had, even if you haven't seen Fantastic Beasts. Uh, what do you think of Ready Player One? Hated it. You didn't die. And you know what? Uh, it was too stiff for me. I just thought I'm like this. I honestly, I, I just I'm like. You know, there was a lot of buildup for it, right? There was right. A, there was a lot of high a- anticipation for it. I didn't know that it was really based off a book, but it was. Yeah. Um, and I I just didn't like it. I'm like, why didn't Spielberg start with the chase instead of you know the movie begin with the car chase? Just yeah. begin. Don't have all this exposition. Hey, I live in this crap. I don't care. Start with the car chase. That's why I came to see. Then get you know do the Kurosawa thing like you always done Spielberg, do the big spectacular spe- spe- and then bring us back to a little bit of story. Right, because kind of if you go to even like Goonies, like yeah. Goonies opens up with a escape from jail. I start out with the car chase and Donkey Kong and all that crap, and you're like, yeah. And then and then you know, okay, I still probably get the same rating, but right. Right, right. and I just yeah. didn't I just didn't like this concept lo- of like everybody living in this world of digital world and like, oh yeah, let me go over here. I gotta collect my coins, and I'm just gonna kill people. Boom, 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 boom. And then I'm gonna go over to this world, and yeah. everyone's wearing VR suits, and <laughs> you know they have their their treadmills, and I just. You know, the one thing it got right was that, like, people portray themselves as what they want to be online versus what they are in real life. You know, they kind of they did that right. I think, right. Yeah. You know, but I just didn't like the story. The only thing that I, it's really great. It, it got people interested in Buckaroo Banzai again. <laughs> yeah. I watched that again this year. <laughs> <Did you> really? <laughs> yes. It is the most ridiculous thing. ever. Because of that movie. Yeah, it did. Is, honestly. Uh, what do you think of Solo? Han Solo movie. All right. I. I you know, I kind of wonder why it was made. Sure. Um, was it made because we needed to have these character-driven movies? Because, like, you know, when you compare it to Rogue One, Rogue One didn't take a major character from the Star Wars universe and give it, like, a, right. its own backstory thing. It actually filled in the gap, right? It, it was a gap filler between movies that showed you how Leia got the plans, right? Because when you open up in uh, New Hope... Leia has these plans that she's given to R2-D2. You have no idea how she gets them other than she said that, you know, the rebels have gotten them to us. Do we really care where Han Solo comes from? Right. And like they, they, oh yeah, I did the whole thing in nine parsecs, whatever that, uh, the one thing that he mentioned in one of the Star Wars movies, right? You know, they, they played it up and it's just like, I thought they could have also portrayed um, Billy D. Williams character better. Uh, What's his name? Lando. Lando, Carissian. 
I thought he could have been portrayed better. And it's like, why does Han have this love story going on with this other pirate type person? It just really like, I know that Ron Howard tried to save it, and I think he did a pretty good job at saving it. I think it for if you just go in there with for entertainment value, I think you will have an okay time. But really, I just I don't know why they made it. <laughs> Black Panther. I thought it was really good. Yeah, unexpectedly good. Unexpectedly, right? Yeah, you expect something just, just surface stuff. Yeah, nothing really deep. But I did like the concept. Um, I don't know if people know about this, but there this movie. There's three movies that have Oakland as its city. I mean, obviously, Black Panther has a sister city, Oakland. Yeah. But then he had Blind Spotting, which actually is a good movie. Uh, was I missed that one? Takes place in Oakland. And then you have um, Sorry to Bother You, which takes place in... We had three movies that take place in Oakland this you year. You know, that is, that's interesting. And, like, uh, Sorry to Bother You, that's one I want to see that I haven't seen yet. Really? Is, have you seen it? No, I've seen Blind Spotting. You did? And how was that one? That was, that was, uh, that's an honorable mention for me when uh, we get to ooh, it. Yeah. that yeah. high up. Yeah, yeah. There's some things I really did like of it. It's, it has a little bit of... Sil- I'll get to it when we get to, our, um, to the honorable mentions. But How about... Yeah. Christopher Robbins. Christopher did, Robbins what? Did, that's the name of the movie. Did you see it? No, I missed out on that one. Okay, so like I was hesitant to go see it because I'm like I'm right. not a huge Pooh fan, but I'm as a kid I loved Tigger, right? I was just always a huge Tigger fan. Right. Not Eeyore. Not Eeyore was like Eeyore, right? He's always yeah. just so sad. He's the gloomy and stuff, right? But I knew Jamie liked it, so we went and we saw it. And I was so pleasantly surprised by it really? because I, I, I wasn't quite sure how they were going to like bring Pooh to life, right? Were they going to make it very cartoony or were they going to keep it with like the, the, the classic Pooh cartoons where everything is kind of gloomy, right? Um, and that they live in the, was it Sh- not Sherwood Forest, that's Robin Hood. Um, I forget the name of where it was, but um, they really made because like you know it starts the movie starts with christopher robin as a boy yeah and yeah. then he basically gets sent off to boarding school and before he leaves he basically tells Pooh and friends that hey i'll be back right but then like he kind of like thinks that it was all make-believe so he forgets right it's one of those yeah. type of movies where you grow up and you're no longer a kid and so like you know your the things your imaginary friends as a kid it goes away go yeah. away right yeah. but then Everything still took place in Pooh's land, right? Time went on. They were waiting for the return of Christopher Robin. And Pooh found like an exit into the real world, right? <laughs> you know, so it was almost kind of like Space Jam like, right? Yeah. Where like the cartoons kind of like find an entrance into the human world. And it was just a really lovely story. Um, it was really a story about showing the importance of family. Um, more so than anything, and, and remembering your friends and how you got to where you are, where you come from. Um, I recommend seeing it if you really, even if you're not a Pooh fan, that I think you'll have a good time. Uh, one of my other ones that um, I really advocated for this uh, summer was Final Portrait, uh, based on um, Jeffrey Rush is in there, Army Hammer is in there. Um, it's based on the true story of Alberto Giacometti, the sculptor. Uh, from the late 60s, and Army Hammer is the biographer. And this is a true story who actually comes to write his biography. And Giacometti is going to paint his portrait, which ends up to be his last portrait he ever actually did. Ah. And it's a wonderful tale. It's, it's a very short film. It takes about maybe 82 minutes. doesn't take a lot of your time. Perfect length for a movie. Yeah, it's maybe about four or five actors are in it. Directed by Stanley Tucci. 
Stanley Tucci, really? Yeah. yeah. And it's a wonderful play on artists sometimes get wrapped up in the process rather than finishing the results. I think a lot of times it does happen, especially when I'm making my book, that you actually like the process and you don't really want it to end. And sometimes maybe that that is kind of a, one of those sins for creative people is they get wrapped up in the process too much that they ever really don't want to finish it because that means you're done, right? You know? Well, I think yeah. George Lucas fell victim to that, right? <laughs> you you're right, yeah. Where you always yeah. try to go back and improve your we previous work, right? Yeah, because right? it's yeah. not quite done. We I highly recommend it, especially if you're a creative person. You appreciate uh, Final Portrait. Nice. Yeah. I, I did not see it this year, so I'm going to put that one on my list. On I, will, I, will give it like I love a, Jeffrey Rush. I'll give it like a B minus, C plus kind of an attitude, yeah. Nice, Something nice. Um, so how about Robin Hood? Oh, no. What happened? Did you see it? No, did you? Yeah, I saw it. Oh. I didn't pay for it, though, because my friend won tickets, <laughs> right? right? She won tickets on the radio All station right. for like an advanced preview of it. And... I don't know. You know, it's like the, the lead actor is the is the guy from um, the kid that plays Kingsman. Uh, guy. Kingsman, right? Yeah. The, the, and so, like, I went in thinking, okay, this this should be good. I'd like this. And it also had um, uh, what's his name? Jamie. Jamie Fox yeah. as like you know. Yeah. Um, and the the beginning, I was like, wow, okay, this is good. Like the first twenty minutes of the film was like pretty awesome, and then it went downhill from there. Um, I do not recommend seeing it. I, I honestly, I don't. I would give it like a D minus. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's what most people are giving it. They're just disappointed. It's just so disappointing because it's like yeah. it, it totally, totally wasn't Robin Hood, and, and like they totally wanted like to make it like this huge action movie with explosions everywhere, and yeah. it's like totally unnecessary. <laughs> you know, it, it it just lacked a good story. I guess is. What I had the say. same feeling with Tomb Raider. It had a great. You know, yeah. I'm giving it a thumbs down right now if you well, can't see me. <laughs> if she, I like, I my problem when I critiqued it is what is her talent? She doesn't show me that she has talent doing anything. She loses in boxing. That's the first few minutes she loses in boxing. When they do a chasing with this unnecessary bicycle chase, she cheats to win. Right. Right. Yeah. And climbing and. And she barely makes it just because of probability. She barely makes it live. There's no talent to her. That's what I was. And then why are you, if you don't want something to be found, why are you putting a door on it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Plus, I think another yeah. thing it ran up against, for me at least, was yeah. the Anna, Angelina Jolie films, right? Uh -huh. Where in the Anna, Angelina Jolie films. She has a talent. She has many talents, right? And, yeah. they, and that's how the movies open, basically showing, showing that her. this is a rich, not just a rich woman, but very talented at doing many things. Right, yeah. Because um, I think it opens like in a Raiders of the Lost Ark type of scene where she's recovering some sort right. of like idol or something, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly. But I, um, I got a kick out of it that she doesn't give a crap about her mom. But her dad, oh boy, her dad. It's like, did you had a mom, right? You remember? No, we we're gonna talk about my dad. Right, <laughs> right, because yeah. her her dad was the most important thing to her, which I think is a is a cute. It's thing. a nice component, but if you're gonna worry about family, you can't just concentrate on one side of the parent. You know, you had did she did have a mother? Let's know about the mother, right? Yeah. Exactly. I think it's like I I laughed out loud in the theater. It's like her first tomb she's writing is her own. <laughs> that is that is pretty right. funny you know uh, yeah um one of the ones that was kind of going on with disappointments that people actually liked but i'm kind of my mind is, is a movie called gemini and mm. the trailer if you look at the trailer the trailer actually looks like it's one of those it lo the trailer looks phenomenal it has the right 
tone um, theme. It's a murder mystery. And I was all wrapped up. I go, yes, I want to watch this movie. And it was a complete letdown. Really? It was this all buildup and no substance to it. And people mm. give it a high ratings, but I just was, I wanted something a little more tangible with it. And it has the look and feel of a great movie and just has nothing behind it. Um, Gemini, if you want to look at the trailer, Gemini. it's just a complete opposite of Game Night. I thought the trailer was like, oh my God, this is hokey and I don't want to, I want to stay away from this. And then I watched it like, this is actually pretty good. Gemini is a great, it was, the trailer looks like it's phenomenal. And then you watch it and like, this is not it. Not no, good. No. Here's a, here's a, speaking of disappointments, um, <laughs> Still kind of entertaining, but very disappointing, especially because it has one of my favorite actors in it. Was that skyscraper? Yeah, with the the rock, with right. the rock in it, you know. Right. Um, I, I'm like, Rock, why did you do this? <laughs> why? You know, there was some definitely very entertaining scenes in it, like you know, very impressive oh, stunt work and stunt it. work and yeah. stuff. But man, did it lack depth? Okay. You know, in terms of like, why is this movie still going on? You could have ended it after 82 minutes. Yeah. Right. That's one of those movies that should have been an 82 minute movie. And it wasn't. No, no it was like, I think it was like 110. Is it one of those movies that have to end like three different, holds up all the subplots too? And yes. Like, yeah, that's kind of tough. It was like, ah, uh, uh, so disappointing. Uh, another great comedy that actually my wife and I really enjoyed was Love, Simon. That was pretty good. It's you did of, like it. Yeah, it was kind of very like a John Hughes high school kind of a movie about a guy who admitted that he's he's gay to a secret online and it gets exposed everywhere. <laughs> but it it's not a preachy movie. It's not a teen romance movie. It's just a good movie. It's fun to watch. So it's one you would recommend? Because I've not yeah, seen it. I want to recommend it. Josh Demel as the dad, Jennifer Garner as the mom. Oh. <laughs> But it's it's if you like John, who's kind of concept kind of movies, you know, they don't really. It's just this is what happens when you're a teenager. This is you know, it it was good. Yeah. Speaking of Jennifer Garner, yeah, Peppermint. Wow, I've never heard. No, what's going on? You've not even heard of it. No. See, that's how under the radar this movie is. Yeah. Um, so basically, Jennifer Garner kind of goes back to her roots as an action type of hero. Ooh, right? like Electra, but better. <laughs> But okay. way better, right. way better than Electra. Okay. So just to kind of give you like the a plot outline, um, her her husband's into some seedy stuff that she's unaware of. Yeah. He yeah. upsets the wrong people. They kind of go to put a hit out, and her family gets gunned down, including her daughter, um, which sets her off. And then these people get off. Right. The judge sets them free. Ooh, that's not Even good. though she's an eyewitness and can identify everybody, the judge obviously is dirty and sets them free. So she goes kind of bonkers and rampages for a little bit. So now the cops are after her and then she disappears. Okay. And okay. then years later, she comes back and the fun begins. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. So well, I. What's the title referencing? You know, honestly, I don't know. I mean, the, the throughout the whole entire movie, the, I couldn't connect the peppermint to like uh, something something in it. Okay, um, maybe I missed something that's very possible. I'm not sometimes the brightest bulb, um, <laughs> but it was super entertaining, and it was Jennifer Gardner back in her action setting, and yeah. so it was really refreshing to see that. Um, from her, given that she's done a lot more drama lately, you know, especially yep. after the whole Ben Affleck stuff. Uh, so it, it's one I would recommend seeing, not in my top 10, but 
not even an honorable mention in terms of like kind of best Pepper, movie. Really? Honor, oh, really? But definitely very entertaining. Okay. Uh, one, two, I have two of them that probably are really good, solid, fun movies to watch. They're just not a... Uh, first one is Puzzle. Hmm, Puzzle not, is a wonderful... It's a, um, kind of below the radar movie, but fantastic. I would give it like a B plus or something like that. It's a stay-at-home mom who lives a very conservative, restrictive lifestyle starts uh, a puzzle and she messes herself in a competition with somebody and it's kind of like you're wanted uh, a reluctant adventurer and realize that you're actually enjoying going outside of it there's no really hero or villain into this movie it's just people kind of living out what they you know do it's almost like living uh, the movie is actually a metaphor for a puzzle people are just kind of looking where they fit in you know, right. Trying to get the right pieces in the right place. Right. You know, their marriage is their marriage a perfect fit. Maybe it's not. And it, the puzzle is definitely a, a metaphor for what life is like. This is it's a wonderful movie. I re highly recommend it. Puzzle. Okay. Not action. It's not really all that, you know, but it's well worth it. Yeah. Good story. Yeah. The other one, uh, Juliet Naked was a wonderful movie. I haven't seen it. Wanted to see it. Yeah. What's it about? Um, Ethan Hawke plays uh, an aging 90s grunge folk rock artist tough role for him i'm sure he had to do a lot of <laughs> right i'm like isn't that kind of who he is <laughs> right um who made this uh album uh so he's a folk rock artist and chris o'dowd plays a character that's actually obsessed with him his whole like my basement is obsessed with this folk rock artist ethan hawk is and all his life he runs a fan club page and all this stuff and he finds out that there's this un released album called Juliet and it's not been through the filter process and hasn't been mastered so it's called Juliet Naked okay, you know when you make albums they have to go through remastering and all that stuff yeah and if you don't do that it's called it's called Naked and then he finds out that this you learn something yeah and it yeah. becomes a kind of a love triangle with Chris O'Dowd and his wife and Ethan Hawke Ethan Hawke actually did a really good job with this movie and it, and it's all it's all about perceptions how you how you think of somebody you really is in real life they're you know they're not you know or somebody you think you be disgusted with and you turn out you kind of like them you know so yeah. sp speaking of fun movies one that yeah. i've seen that uh i think is fun and uh, i definitely would see it again right. um arizona i don't think it did well in the theaters i've never heard about this one either this you've not one. heard about this no. okay so this kind of takes place during the so you remember back when things were like in the Early 2000s and property values and stuff were going up everywhere. Oh, like crash. 2000s. Yeah. Five yeah. and six. Right. Yeah. And, and people were like moving everywhere. Right. And especially yeah. like, you know, so Arizona. Right. It's about a development that was kind of supposed to be good. And then the crash happens and, and obviously homes aren't selling and, and, and stuff like that. And Danny McBride's in it. Um, he plays uh, a home buyer. Well, you just sold me on Danny McBride. Right? I know. It's, it's like if he's got Danny Now, you either love Danny right. McBride or you kind of hate All him. All right. We'll be right back. I gotta <laughs> <laughs> right? I got to go see this movie now because Danny McBride's in it. Um, not only is Danny McBride in it, but there's also a number of other actors that you um, would like. Um, you know, Luke Wilson's in it. Okay. Um, so there's it's, it's an all-star cast. I don't know if I'd say all-star cast, but uh, Caitlin Olsen from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Really? She plays Danny McBride's wife in it. Oh, um, my God. All right. Basically, the premise is that Danny McBride is a disgruntled buyer because, you know, like his arm has his arm loan. Right. You know, can't refinance. Neighbors yep. haven't been moving in, so he can't sell his place because no one wants to buy. 
right? And he kind of loses it. Not kind of loses it. He really loses it <laughs> and goes on a rampage. Rampage seems to be like something that people, this, this is like a theme for the year for a lot of movies. It's like a rampage type of theme. And so there's a lot of death, a lot of destruction. And Danny McBride is absolutely brilliant in it as Danny McBride, as always is. And I would highly recommend it for a good time. Uh, when did you get to see it? Uh, I saw it a few months ago. Um, okay, so it's it's relatively actually pretty new. Yeah, yeah, it's it's relatively new. It's 2018 movie. Um, like I said, I don't think it did so well in the movie theaters. Uh, I think it was officially released back in August. Yep, it was, and I think maybe it lasted like a week or two in the theaters at that. Um, and so you should see it. It should be on Netflix or some other video renting place site that you could see it at. Um, and again, if you're a fan of Danny McBride, you will love this movie. Uh, the next one I'm going to recommend was Nico 1988, uh, based Ooh, on the true, sto- true story of Nico. She was the singer for the Velvet Underground in 1988, where's her last kind of a f- tour that she ever did as a singer songwriter. So it's kind of a loose, semi autobiographical, not wholeheartedly a true, but it takes some liberties of the story. But so was she the writer? No, no, she passed away in 1988. So this is why it's called Nico 1988, the true story of um, Andy Warhol's muse. I think Andy Warhol painted, you know, deals took screens over and everything, and she was a singer for Velvet Underground, and she was just this pop culture icon for about, well, for, you know, since 1968. The 1988 was her last run where she tried to restart her career, and it's, uh, you know, especially when Bohemian Rhapsody took everything by, you know, Freddie Mercury. I thought this was kind of below the radar of a good story of uh, what happens, you know, when things... Right, are, you get like one pop type yeah, of movie, right? Yeah, so it gives you the harsh realities of, you know, sometimes it's not all glitz and glamour being a rock star, you know? <laughs> you know, based off of like the whole grunge scene and things of that nature, basically it's like ah, being a rock star isn't maybe that glamorous at all. Yeah. There's a wonderful line in the movie where she, that she goes, do I look good? She goes, no, you actually look pretty ugly. Good. Cause I didn't like when I look beautiful. Oh. <laughs> you know, there's a, uh, there's a line in the movie mid nineties where one of the characters is, is talking to her, you know, the, the, the mentor type character is talking to the, the young right. boy. Yeah. And he says, you know, we all have problems. He's like, but I don't think, you know, if you look in somebody else's closet and see what they have and you look in your own, that you would want to trade yours for theirs, right? Ooh, Basically yeah. meaning that we all got our crap. We all have crap to deal with. And, you know, my crap is just as bad as your crap. And I don't want your crap and you don't want my crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, another movie I would think you might like, I would give it a try. It's from France called, it's simply called Revenge. Uh, you had me at revenge. All right. <laughs> um, it's very much, I don't know, you remember I spit on your grave? Yeah, yeah. Very much like the same premise. A guy takes his girlfriend to the out of the woods, and they have a little, little entertainment thing, and then his hunting buddies show up unexpected, and they treat her rotten, and she comes back to get back at him. It's pretty much the story, but it's one that's well done. I love the French for that sometimes. They yeah. do do some great revenge uh, One of the most disturbing self-surgery scenes I've ever saw in cinema in a long time. <laughs> Revenge. All yeah. right. I got to um, put that on my and list. And the removing of shard of glass from your foot. Yeah, that it's very cringy to watch, but it's very satisfying the results. So I was, I love that. Yeah, it was a good horror movie. Talk yeah. about cringy to watch. Yeah. she's She played this innocent doll kind of, you know, promiscuous, and then they 
treat her and then she goes on a all Chuck Norris on her. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Definitely want to see that. Right. Uh, Revenge, but but, no. but Mandy. Well, I'm going to hold that. Oh, one we'll on. hold that one for later. Right, yeah. we'll, we'll come back to that then, folks. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll come back to that one. Um, because it's um, it's definitely in there. Uh, another one. Uh, did you see the Meg? Yes, of course. How could you not see the Meg? Just, I mean, they had the buildup going from like basically the December of 2017, telling that this, this movie was coming. Right. Yeah. You know, I thought it was very fun. That's fun. Right. Flush your brain down the toilet. Do not think that any of this is based off reality <laughs> right. or, or, or prehistoric history. There's no logic to it. No. no. Fun. You want to go see a fun movie like Rampage is fun. Yeah. Right. The mega is fun. Uh, Infinity War. Let's come back to that. <laughs> All right. Because that's on my list. Oh, it is really. Um, how about. Uh, I, I would say. There's one with the movie The Ritual on Netflix. Yeah, I didn't see it. Well, it's hard for me. A little like people liked it, but it's a typical guy, group of macho men go camp in the woods, and one of them is annoying. And they always have one. Yeah, they always get, and then they picked off one by one, and then you get their cultish group together, and then. It's the monster in the woods. I've seen. It's hard for me. I've seen this movie so many times. Right. And of course, the knowing one gets it the worst, and you're supposed to appreciate it. But it's like I, it's not satisfying for me because I've seen it before. I've seen it in Texas Chainsaw. You've probably seen it done much better. Yeah. So um, it's one of those like I'm I'm missing what everybody likes about the movie. See, I watched the trailer and I said, "Not gonna waste my time." The one I really did like from Netflix is from Spain called Veronica. That was a good horror movie. Where she sees she goes to a charter school and there's ghosts surrounding her and all that stuff and they, it's almost like the craft. If you ever seen that one, but oh, I, I would recommend horse. seeing Veronica. I like that horror movie. Uh, speaking of good horror movies, yeah, uh, The Nun. Really, I have yet to see it. Oh, I know it's based on the what's the Insidious, The Conjuring. Which one was it? Uh, the Conjuring. Okay, so, Conj so Conjuring. So The Conjuring, I think, has done something that. Only that maybe many horror movies have wanted to be able to do, yeah. right? So one of the things I liked about The Conjuring is, right, remember the first Conjuring, they had the doll in it, and then they made the movie Annabelle. Annabelle Creation was an awesome movie. Right, and it was awesome. It and was then, a great movie. And then they had The Conjuring 2, and they had this nun in it, Yeah, right? And the Conjuring the It was in the painting. Right, yeah. but, but this nun, right, was after the family, right? And so what do they do? They make the nun, <laughs> yeah. right? So they give backstories, and it, what it, what it does is like they've made these incredible movies, and the nun is just absolutely hair raising. It is very very hair raising. So if you like more movies, it, it fits. Oh, even though. if you don't like horror movies, because okay. it's got a good story to it, um, it's a great story to it. Um, one of my favorite parts. I mean, I can't. I don't want to reveal anything to it. Yeah. Um, all I have to say is that if you haven't seen it, see it and see it at around midnight in the complete dark. And I guarantee you, you will have nightmares that night. OK, <laughs> um, I have one for you. Um, it's called it's, it's very artsy. So I might like it's, it's called Madeline's Madeline. Um, it's very well take on what is acting. It's it's encompassing about actors talking about acting and all that stuff. But I actually enjoyed it because it, had, it runs two parallels of uh, this child star. She's really good at acting, and she's in a actors group. 
and it runs parallel. What is acting as, as a profession? Is it something that's like for therapy or something that's just for, you know, for progress, for promotion, for, you know, to getting ahead in life? And you have different, her mom thinks it's wonderful for her therapy. Her director thinks it's for her career. And it mixes into absurdity sometimes. But there's a great scene where Madeline uh, performs and performs a performance as her mom in front of her. That was really actually well done. It, uh, I would say it's a good marker if you're into acting and into film that you appreciate the movie. Here's one for you. All right. Annihilation. I liked it. I did. It's not going to be on my list. That's why that's we're talking about it, Nick. Yeah. Because it's not on the list. Not on the list. Right? It's not on my list either. Uh, Natalie Portman, right? Yeah. Um, scientist. And I used that as an analogy to my Tomb Raider that, you know, for Laura Croft, we're, I spent a whole hour. You don't know how skillful she is. We have a certain scene of Natalie Portman handling a gun, and we're like, all right, she knows what she's doing. Exactly, right. right. For a few seconds, like, all right, she can handle herself. Right, yeah. you, you get that sense, and obviously it's got a twist at the end, right? Yeah. You know, where you're left kind of wondering. What Perplexed. Happened, right, yeah. you know? But I thought it was entertaining. I mean, yeah. it's not a top 10, not even a top 20 list for me, but I thought it was very entertaining, and I thought it was something kind of new for Natalie Portman to kind of take on. It's weird. Know? Weird kind of concept, highly original. Very I would give wise. it that. Yeah, yeah. I like it that everybody—it's a whole ass poor aspects of annihilation, psychological, scientific, biological. You know. It also kind of reminded me a little bit about the invasion of the body snatchers. A little bit like that, yeah. Right. Right. Um, Where it's like, are you you or are you somebody else looking like you? Right. <laughs> you know, it leaves you kind of asking those questions. Um, it's bookend. By a glass of water, if you notice. At the beginning of the movie, Oscar Isaac takes a glass of water. There's blood in it. At the end, she takes a glass of water, and there's no blood in it. So it's booked in a little bit by a glass of water. Nice. Um, I'm maybe reading too much into it. No, you just pay attention to detail. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Those are details that things like um, I miss. The bear mixing the DNA, that was probably the most creepy What's, ah, yeah. That was kind of weird. That <laughs> right. was kind of weird. <laughs> I did see it with a bunch of teenagers. I think I told this one, right? Oh, I went yeah, to theater yeah. and I was with, surrounded by a bunch of teenagers vaping behind me. In the theater. In the theater. And awesome. the cherry, whatever. I don't care. But they would not shut up for the whole movie. They're telling Natalie Portman to, you know, oh, take you're it hot. Off, yeah, yeah, take it. And, it's like, <laughs> and then they've seen this scene where they open up the guy's stomach and then that shut him up right away. It's like, good. Good. Shut up. Need more of that. Yeah. That shut you up. Right. You know, when, when people, I, I'll tell you, when we went to go see uh, the Robin Hood, we actually had to get, um, we didn't have to do it. And I asked my friend really not to do it because it wasn't that big of a deal. But there was people behind us that wouldn't shut up. <laughs> right. You know, we're trying to watch the movie and they had kids. And, you know, I politely asked, you know, hey, can you try to keep your kids in line? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Guy yeah. got really upset, like called me names. And I was like, whatever, fine. You know, whatever. And then. Uh, my friend who invited me to this, uh, she was very upset by it, went and got management and had him kicked out. So if cool. people are disturbing your movie experience, you got to say something to the management of the theater because otherwise people won't learn. Totally agree. Uh, unsane. Couldn't finish it. Couldn't finish it. Uh, I know my wife loved it. She yeah. actually did. I, I couldn't. I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, I think it's a marker footnote in film history because it's shot 100% on an iPhone. But it's Steven Soderbergh. He does this. If you, everybody follows his career, he does this one for corporations like Logan Lucky. 
Sure. And then one for himself. You know, he's been doing this for years. One for big production, Ocean's 8, and then I do something like this. See, so. Ocean's 8 I didn't like. Logan Lucky I thought was pretty good. Well, he produced it. He didn't direct. Sorry, he didn't direct. But the, this Ocean's He put money up for it, right? Yeah. With this. Are they going to make a sequel out of it? Because it's supposed to be what? Eight, I hope not. 8, 9, 10. Because then the, um, the men are 11, 12, 13. I no. thought it was horrible. <laughs> All right. I, I'm sorry. I, I Honestly, it's it, it's almost like they... Let's not talk about Ocean's 8. Right. That's another movie that we maybe shouldn't talk about, but wasn't completely horrible, horrible, was The Happy Time Murders. Oh. You, now, was that... Right? Why, why? What was wrong with it? It looks enticing. It is. It does, right? It, it's almost like... The, remember that Vulgar one? puppets kind of always, you know, uh, the the guys from South Park shows, the vulgar puppets. Make can make money. Right, but here's the deal. Um, do you remember that horrible adult cartoon animated film that like Seth Rogen and those guys did? Oh, the uh, food, the food thing, yes. Yeah, yeah right? And yeah. it's like, oh, that looks like it should be hilarious and yeah. funny. And then you go and you, and you see just, it and you're just completely disappointed because it was horrible. Yeah. Right? Happy Time Murders is very much like that. It tries to be like a classic like Dick Tracy type of like, oh, private investigator type of situation, right? Right. Where like all these puppets are kind of getting killed and like you're supposed to say, oh, who done it and stuff, right? Well, what the hell? Would you miss Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I mean, that that, that movie goes dark, <laughs> right? Who framed, who framed Roger Rabbit, though, had a good story. It had a good story, yeah. That, and it, and it that went dark. connected yeah. right, throughout the whole entire thing. And it's not. I'm not saying that this one didn't. Right. I just don't know if uh, McCarthy was the right person. Uh, Melissa McCarthy was necessarily the right actress to have as the the partner in there. Right. Um, it, I don't know. I I just thought it was like a little too over the top and yeah. a very very uh, shallow story. Yeah, but it was entertaining. So that's why I regarded Phantom Thread. It came out in January. Uh, Danny Day Lewis's last movie. I just like this is all style. No, there's really nothing to it. Well, really, how can you have anything to it? Like right. that movie. Just I seemed, thought it was. Whole in, I thought stupid. Yeah, it's just the whole premise. Just it didn't gravitate to me. And the dress, the costuming was fantastic. I That's because it's about a dude who made costumes. Dress, yeah, the dresses were. <laughs> if you like film about dresses, how they get made, wonderful. But I just there's nothing really that gravitated to what the story was. I right. love the setting and the atmosphere, all that stuff. Other than that. But yeah, so I, Happy Time Murder is definitely like a D range type of maybe D plus, C yeah. minus. Because it is somewhat entertaining. You do get some laughs and chuckles out of it. Yeah. But for the most part, you're asking, when does this end? <laughs> <laughs> at least that's how I looked at it. All right. You ready to get to our list? Um, any more that you want to talk before we get there? Uh, Venom? On my list. On your list? It's on my list. All right. See, that's what and we're We did up. also talk about Black Panther, which is high on my list, but... Um, I would like to just kind of mention one other one. Um, oh, now it just kind of left my brain. So if I remember it, we'll come back to it. If not, let's move on to our list. All right. We're going to go on to our list and maybe Vinny can remember when we uh, come back from our break. He's the critic. He's the comic. And that's the gimmick. It's the Dare Daniel podcast where film critic Daniel Barnes and comedian Cork McDonald do your dirty work by watching the worst movies imaginable. Know of a movie so bad you have to share it? A film with a bad rap you've always been curious about? An underrated bit of cinema you'd love to hear discussed? Or are you a great big fat person? Whatever the case, we happily accept your most sadistic or altruistic dares. 
Every Tuesday, we release a full-length episode of Cinematic Stunt Work. And every Thursday, an action-packed mini-episode featuring previews, general movie discussion, and your movie dares, plus beer. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, our website, daredanier.com, and anywhere fine podcasts are burnished and proffered. And make sure to check out our sister pod, Serious Talk Seriously and Graphic Novel Explorers Club, for more quality Sacramento podcasts. Hi, we're coming from a uh, break, and before we get to our top 10 list, um, some of our fans have been nice enough to submit theirs, and some of our former um, guests uh, submitted their top 10 um, best movies of the year, and we're going to get to them. Um, uh, film director Jay Ness uh, submitted his top 10 list. Uh, Jay Ness was on a previous episode, if you want to go back and listen. Um, Jay Ness's top 10, uh, here's number 10, Solo. Number nine, Avengers Affinity War. Number eight, Into the Spider-Verse. Number seven, Thoroughbreds. Number six, A Quiet Place. Number five, Hereditary. Number four, Mandy. Number three, Upgrade. Number two, Suspiria. And number one for Jay was Annihilation. Here we have Ruth Maramis. She is... um, the blog film blogger Flix Chatter. She's also the writer of the short film Hearts Want, and she submitted her top 10 list, which includes this. Number 10, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Number 9, Widows. Number 8, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number 7, The Writer. Number 6, Paddington 2. Number 5, Mission Impossible Fallout. Number 4, Leave No Trace. Number 3, The Green Book. Number four, Black Panther. And number one for Ruth was A Star is Born. We also submitted a question on Twitter of what would you regard it as your best movie of the year. And we definitely get some great um, responses to that as well. Um, Films on Trial podcast says Black Klansman was their best movie. Ghosts of the Stratosphere podcast says Into the Spider Into the Spider Spider Verse. Ghosts from the Stratosphere say Spider Verse. I tried very well. Um, the box office boys said Upgrade and Eighth Grade. Boobies and Newbies said Eighth Grade as well. Um. WDIM, What Does It Matter podcast, we already talked about that, it. It was mid-90s. Um, Drunk in the Graveyard said Hereditary. Um, Next Door Villain podcast said Sorry to Bother You was their favorite movie of the year. Thanks for all the people who submitted their listings, and we'll be back to our top ten after this it message. It all starts with Frankenstein. Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, which uses the Promethean myth, which her husband, Percy Bysshe Shelley, wrote about. And they were both friends with Lord Byron, who kept a bear at Cambridge. It was the key shape of the Romantic movement, which Oscar Wilde would be at the tail end of when he wrote Dorian Gray. He was influenced by a yellow book, which inspired the publication of a magazine called The Yellow Book, which specialised in lustful and violent tales, in which John Buchan was published, according to Betjeman, who wrote about Wilde's arrest. And Buchan wrote The 39 Steps, which later became a Hitchcock film, before he made Psycho, which was based on Ed Gein, who made corpses into ornaments, unlike Victor Frankenstein, who made a man by grave digging and stitching corpses together. You done? Not even slightly. The Frankenpod, it's a podcast stitched together from the corpses of mystery, noir, gothic literature and cinema. Subscribe to us on your podcast app.
back with our top 10 list and uh, we remember some movies we want to talk about um, that's been I mentioned on a couple other lists as I, I, I recited them. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. On my list. Is it really? Yeah, Good. We'll get, we'll get to that. Um, I, I, I love well, We'll get to it. But, um, but two that kind of fall into the same genre. Yeah. One is Sicario, Day of the Saladad, and the other one is the Equalizer 2. Uh, Denzel. Denzel yeah. versus Benicio del Toro in Thanos, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, which McCall? I forget his name. God, Josh. Well, Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah he, was, uh, he was in three movies this year. He was in Deadpool 2. That's right. Uh, Sicario 2, and then this Infinity War. He's a busy guy. He's a very, very, very talented actor, right? I, right. Mean, I remember him from the Goonies, but riding yeah. his little girl and his, uh, on training wheels. And his, uh, his stepmom, Barbara Streisand, she was in uh, Star is Born. Ah, of course, right? Yeah. No, but so, like, I think both these movies, um, Equalizer 2 and, and The Day of the Saladad, Sicario 2, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, I think they kind of... F- Fell under the radar simply because they were sequels, right? You know, and, they, and yeah, somebody mentioned it before. They like that one, you know, and because the first one was just if you was, liked Sicario, my god, that was awesome. Yeah, Sicario two, Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin are awesome, but more so Benicio. I mean, it, it really is him in his element, just standing out in the in the in the Mexican atmosphere with a wind blowing, just looking menacing. There he looks go. menacing just probably taking a, a family photo, right? Let's be <laughs> honest here. Uh, <laughs> but definitely him and his element. I mean, it's a it's a great – it's not just con- constant action either. Yeah. It's actually a good story that kind of like – they want mm-hmm. you to kind of feel uh, for his character, and I think they do a good job at that. And then the Equalizer 2 is Denzel being Denzel at his greatest. He's been his core element of like action type of situation, more mm-hmm. like revenge action type of situation. And I, it took me by surprise. I just got to say that. So if you want really good entertainment for about an hour and a half to two hours, both those movies you should see. All righty. You're going to start the top ten list. So All right. We're going to so go numerical. I will say that my top ten list is not really in any top ten order. Oh, good. Okay. So they're all kind of like, it was very tough. I mean, really, I mean, come on. How, I like this it, year. This year was good movies. It was a great year for movies this year, like you said. Yeah. And you've seen over 100 of them this year, right? Yes, yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's how and tough it's this hard, is. man. It's like, man, I want to put this in there, but it's just some things. Right, and you had to cut some stuff off somewhere, right? Right, and yeah. I hate to do that. I so. hate to do it myself all because right. there's a number of movies. Well, that, let's get started. Let's, let's go right. right. Let's go. Let's start off with Mission Impossible. All right, Mission Impossible Fallout. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Right, yes. You think a, a sequence would slow down, not amp up, you know, right. right? Go upwards, right? And I saw this in IMAX, and it was. You got to see it in IMAX. I oh, didn't. yeah, the helicopters and everything, and going off the cliff, and. All I gotta say about this is that you know you, yeah. you'd you'd think that this formula. W- would have died off, right? Because they they basically right. do the same formula for all their films, but they add twists to it to make it just a little bit different, right? Yeah. You're like, yeah. come on, you know the whole mask thing. It's like you've seen the mask since the very first one, and everyone was very impressed with it. Yeah, with Brian, De- yeah, the Brian De Palma first one, right? Right, and, you know, and it's like, dang, they brought it back, and like it caught me by surprise. <laughs> I mean, come on, I was kind of like, whoa, when did they? How did they do this? They brought a lot of back. His ex-wife back, right? Yeah. They brought the ex-wife back, and not to mention like they've they've kept basically the same. Same bad guy for the last what three films now? It's been the same guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
you're like, how can this, how, how's this going to work? You know? And like awesome escape scene, right? With like the, the Man, they got to film in downtown Paris. Action. Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, Tom Cruise, people will say, oh, they don't like him or, oh, he's just a crazy kook or whatnot. But right. man, you got to give this guy credit where credit is due. Right. I mean, he is a phenomenal actor. They spent a month doing the bathroom scene. Get out That's of what here. Henry Cavill said. They, they, Tom and didn't want it to have looked right. They spent a month filming that action sequence. That was a phenomenal thing, you I know? know. But I mean, like I think like almost all their movies, it's like you can tell who the bad guy or the traitor is going to be right away. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, like you know who it is, right? And so it's like some of the things you're like, you know, you think you know, right up in front, and then all of a sudden it's like, bam. You're, you're right. turned around. That whole helicopter chase where you have the camera in front shooting the gun at the... I mean, it's very rare to catch that kind of sh a shot in a film. Uh, them shooting actually at the, the, the helicopter. Right, yeah. and it's like, for me, like one of the things that is the hallmark of great special effects is that you don't realize that they're special effects, right? Yeah. And this movie had that. I mean, it's like you you know that this can't necessarily be real and that they can't be doing it, but it's like, man, it looks so real, and it's like you're just drawn into it. And the action sequences, yes, some of them were kind of long. Yeah. The movie was a little bit long. But you're not paying for romance you want the spectacle that's why we were, and they, they delivered wholesale they did yeah. I, I loved it it's yeah. definitely in my top 10 and i if you haven't seen it even if you don't like the previous mission impossible movies yeah i almost i, I can't guarantee it obviously because i don't know what everybody likes but if you yeah. like action and if you like it's tom been, cruise it's been on you'll love quite it. a few of them uh i have uh number 10 uh from alfonso carrion his semi-autobiographical roma from netflix did not see it. And I didn't include any Netflix movies um, simply because I haven't seen any that were good. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know Alfonso, he directed Children of Men and Gravity with Sandra Bullock. Um, here is his autobiographical tale of living in a district called Roma in Mexico City in the early 70s. Um, he's definitely showing off his talent for film. <laughs> this is showing off academically and scholarly. There's no music involved, not no, no close-ups. This is kind of inviting you into this encapsulating world where the outside tries to intrude, but it's more like a, a view of family. Gotcha. And more, more focusing on the servant that how that helps the family. Um, in her life. And in fact, it's almost like she's bound to this family whether she tries to escape or not. In fact, she tries to even have a child and she miscarries. It's almost like she's content to carry for this family. Um, he completely rebuilt his house that he grew up for the film. Of course. <laughs> right? Um, I know all the details, folks. It has, it has this clean, starch cinematography to it. But the, the lighting and the picture, everything could be a slice of a picture. The whole movie could have been a wonderful story. And it definitely probably is going to get some Oscar nominations. Roma. Nice, nice. Yeah. Now, one that you wanted to talk about a little earlier, so I'll just bring it up now. It actually yeah. is probably, if I had to name a top movie of the year, this would be my number one. Uh, Avengers Infinity War. Right, right. It's very hard to announce... 10 years ago that you were going to make this movie and everybody's laughing in your face saying, how the hell are you going to appease so much ego and right. get it done? And they said, we're going to do it. And they did it. You know, yeah. it, it, it is the, the, the culmination of 10 years of hard work and great storytelling. Right. right? We all started with Iron Man 2008. Right. Yeah. And then the Hulk and then, you know, just carried from there. And what I found to be so, so awesome about this was the fact that, 
they were able to bring together all these superstars, essentially, all these leading characters. Right, everybody gets their time. Right? Yeah. And they get their time, but it's not like it was like, oh, we have to do this person's time, and so we're going to cut out this block, and it's kind of disconnected, and we're going to make it fit, right? Yeah. It was like so well woven together, right? It was almost like it was this big... Fabric. Um quilt right yeah, like a quilt where you take these squares and a quilt and then you know the squares themselves maybe seem insignificant but then when you get them into this big quilt and you look at the entire quilt you're like wow this wouldn't look as good without that square in it right yeah and, and i i i it just it's just awesome it, you know it, you know I, you, you wondered how thor's gonna get his hammer back and is like well why didn't i think of that <laughs> we're just gonna make an axe <laughs> right yeah yeah right but it was or were you yeah i don't want to yeah but it's this nice temperament of how i get your axe back was or your hammer back that was hilarious I right loved it. but i think they also revealed like even in thor um ragnarok Rock, that yeah. his power wasn't the source of his power wasn't the, the, the hammer. hammer yes right yep, yeah. you know that it, it was within him the whole time you know but it, it it's just wow and then like you almost don't you don't really want Thanos to die necessarily because you kind of feel for him a little bit, right? They, the way that they tell his right, story, good villains make sense. And I, I explain all the time, vill, good villains when they explain things kind of make sense, right? Yeah, right. He's yeah. like, I'm not doing this because I'm some mad murderer. Yeah. I'm doing this for the betterment of the universe. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, but then you look at Hitler and Hitler's like, well, I'm not doing this because, you know, the Jews are necessarily yeah. bad. I'm doing this for the good of Germany and yeah. the rest of the world. It's like, well, yeah, you're crazy. Right. So you have to kind of remember villains that. always think they're the hero of the story. Yes. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, they so always think they're the hero. It's yeah. like I really want to. I can't wait for the next one. Right. You right. know, it's like I want you to see. I more. had the absolute chuckle knowing that Peter Dinklage is the tallest person in the universe of Marvel Universe. Right. right. <laughs> the tallest one left. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. all of his brethren, which I'm just like, how did Thanos take you guys out? Peter Dinklage was in the X-Men series as the member of the politician in Days of Future. That he was. Yeah. And, and, but then in this one, he's like this big giant, giant of all giants. It's like, well, that's that's funny. I really Right, but, but speaking of Peter Dinklage, the favorite character that of Peter Dinklage in the favorite movie was Elf. You call me uh, whatever. Right. What did he call him? He called him an elf. You call me an elf one more time. I'm going to come over there and kill you. And he just cops up onto the conference table and takes him out. But yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely wonderfully done. And again, with like the special effects, it's like yeah, you know they're not in space. You know they're not here and there. But like. The the finishing well, touches and the post production is just done so well that yeah. you actually believe what you're seeing. It's played out in the schoolyard. Somebody put it on Twitter that I heard some kids in the schoolyard said, "Your mom was so fat that Thanos had to snap his fingers twice." Oh, <laughs> Sting! You heard that? That's hilarious! <laughs> oh my god, that is awesome! So, uh, <laughs> the, the Your kid. mama jokes, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanos invades everything. All right, uh, number nine. God, I really. Didn't want to put it on there, but I, I, hereditary. Look at what my number nine is, Nick. Really? Hereditary? Really? It, it really? God. <laughs> I came into this list it's not before a, I got here. We both put it at number nine. I number can't nine, believe it. Hereditary. Wow. Um, Why didn't you want to put it on your list? I, the ending doesn't encapsulate me as much as it, it should. It kind of like 
drifts off a little bit. Yeah. But everything leading up to it is just wonderful. The light switch editing of day and night, you know, night and day of passing time. Yeah. So the, this editing, it gets uh, performed. Tony Collette is wonderful. She should get a nomination. She's not going to, but it could, that's how good it is. You think she's not going to just because it's a horror film? Well, it's, you hardly ever get nominated for horror movies, but it's she's so well done in this movie. I love the play of differential of you having a conversation and then slicey look different and all this stuff and um, the whole temperament of birds. It's it's played around everywhere of birds and in fact the daughter looks a little bit like a bird. Right, right. right. <laughs> Great film. And the daughter chirps like a bird. I can get the acting's almost like a bird. Everybody's nesting. In fact, you're nesting in a nesting. So it was a great movie. Um, I was surprised by it. You know, I, I right. think The Nun is better, and The Nun's not on my list, but I put Hereditary on there simply because of the fact that um, overall I thought it was a better movie. Yeah. The Nun I thought was a better horror movie. Right? Sure, I, scares, I understand. Yeah, right? I get that. You know, yep. type of deal. Yeah. Um, but definitely Hereditary is awesome. You should see it. Um, Stunt-wise, when you're on fire in a house, that's hard to do, especially for a stuntman. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> When I saw that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, the, you know, the reaper, I mean, you have to set that up for hours on it to get that right and look. And, and then you, you maybe have one take. You don't want to do a retake on you that. You don't want to do a retake. <laughs> so even that was like, I'm mighty impressed with that. I mean, to do that in a house setting, how, how tricky that is to, and gutsy it is to do in a movie as well. It was just so. really well done. So I, it, Yeah. I recommend it. Did you freak? I mean, a lot of kids freaked out with the whole bedroom scene. A lot of kids didn't see that. And I was like, come on. We've seen enough horror movies. I was saying, Nick, come on. Yeah, come on. Since I was a little, little, little tyke, man. You know, my dad, right? I mean, he, he, he got me so desensitized. That was a scene. I was like, Vince is not going to be surprised by it. He sees it right away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do like the whole aspect of housing in a house. And, you know, it's all about superficial, but it's totally about family grief and family Remember some things dominate your world, and when they're gone, like how the hell am I supposed to handle things? So, but I yeah. will say, with regards to not seeing things coming, the nun, the right. the people that do the conjuring in these movies, they know that I know all the regular tropes, and so they try stuff that's different, and they always get me. Okay, yeah. All right, so go ahead. All right, so on my list, we'll just pick another one here. Uh, another one that you kind of mentioned, so I'll just get this off my list right away, yeah. Venom. It's number six on my list. Yeah. Um, wow, I just love Tom Hardy. Was it an action movie? Because it's not a superhero movie, right? Isn't it? No. I don't know. It kind of is, right? Because, yeah. like, you know, going in, I, you know, if you know the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. You are familiar with Venom. And if you've seen Spider-Man 3, right, the yeah. Sam Raimi ones, um, Topher Grace, right, played Venom, right? So you yeah. think of Venom as a villain, not as a hero, yeah. right? And I was just taken aback about how, like, just personable Venom really was. And he's just like, you know... Uh, I, w I was going to eat you, but hey, you know, uh, all right. I, I've come to like you and I've come to like your girlfriend. You know, it's like, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to save you now. You know, Michelle Williams is all right in there. She doesn't, she doesn't have many scenes in it, but yeah, she's great. Right. Yeah. And the scenes that she's in, she's great. And, and her doctor boyfriend. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's like provided like the everybody. Everybody's lead. oh, you, when you, when you get dumped, the next boyfriend always in movies is like a doctor, a lawyer, or something like that. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, it's it, it's a very yeah. Um, somewhat predictable, but I thought it was so um, just refreshing in terms of a comedic taking a villain and making them a hero, 
and pulling it off. And could someone else other than Tom Hardy pull it off? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it was definitely better than a lot of the other movies that were out there this year. Yeah. And there's a little bit of mystery involved and unwrapping and all that stuff. Right. I did like it. Yeah. It's very it's a good popcorn flick. Yeah. Right. And it also kind of had like a little bit of uh similarity to Rampage where it's like basically things from outer space that kind of come in. Well, it does have a other similar aspect to a movie I'm going to bring up. But yeah, yeah go yeah. ahead. Joker. Well, it doesn't it take place in San Francisco? I think it's like San Francisco. It's one of those Bay It's one of those Bay Area. Yeah, Bay Area movies that for some reason, got dominated, and, and like Ant Man was in San Francisco this year. Yeah. But everything always is from there because it's for Hollywood. It, 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 this movie, right? the movie, Oakland and San Francisco dominated this year. Ant Man was in San Francisco. Venom was in San Francisco. Yeah. All right. So number eight, uh, a movie I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. Um, came out this summer, A Prayer Before Dawn. Have you seen this? Haven't even heard of it. What's yeah. it about? Uh, about a true story. His name is Billy Moore, uh, English boxer gets. Uh, Caught with drugs and thrown in Thai prison, and he's Thai prison, Thailand prison, which is you don't want to be in Thailand prison, no, especially if you don't know how to speak the language and you don't even look like anybody from there. Um, survives prison, and the only way he knows how, uh, definitely he's not a hero, not a nice guy, but he we see it through his eyes of how he is able to survive being in Thailand prison. Wonderful, is this a, one, you said it was based on a true story, based on a true story, yeah, uh, Billy Moore. Really? Um, a John, prayer before uh, John, dawn. Uh, Joe Cole is the uh, the actor that played Billy Moore. He spent a uh, six months training as a boxer, boxer, and living with Billy Moore to get the whole the whole world of his living in this aspect. But um, very brutish, very unmasculine test and kind of a movie. Hardly any. A lot of testosterone. A lot of testosterone. A lot of how do you gonna able to live in this world he does have a relationship with somebody it's not like a, a component but somebody he can kind of talk to and be intimate with and that's kind of you know a guy dressed as a girl uh, looking within thailand they call them lady boys yep yeah and she provides drugs and all this stuff and he eventually kind of has a nursing aspect component to it but it's not like anything uh, you know like like that but it's it's very a testament to how you're able to survive completely a survival movie, but I was going to say, uh, the hangover three introduced us to Thai lady boys. <laughs> if you weren't familiar with them already, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, really, really raw, brutal, brutal movie to watch. Number 10 on my list, Deadpool two, Deadpool two. All right. All right. It made my top 10. All right. Um, and again, it kind of like through like the traditional superhero, you know, the first yeah. Deadpool throws the, you know, traditional superhero out thing the window, on, out the right, window, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. who you want to kind of vote for. And then with the second one, trying to build an ensemble of a team, right? You know, and again, with Josh Brolin, yeah. right? Where it's like, it starts out of like, hey, we're enemies. And then it ends up being, hey, we're friends, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. You know, because it's like they both kind of wanted to kill this boy, Cable, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, and so it was just a lot of fun. Uh, it's a movie that I would see over and over again because I, I, I don't want to be a real bad guy and hurt kids. Right? I, <laughs> I just want to be not that kind of bad. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's I, I just really liked it. I really enjoyed it. And I definitely, like I said, it's one of those movies that I can watch over and over again. They made a PG version, Once Upon a Deadpool. That's yeah. what that was because like, yeah, I'm like, it's just I'm, a PG I'm like, version of Deadpool 2, yeah. That yeah. they must have tried to capitalize on the Christmas time, right? Because I'm like, what's yeah. this thing? What's upon a Deadpool coming out December twelfth? I'm like, yeah. what's what is this? I really did love that version of Juggernaut than the X Men Juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. yeah the X -Men I like this version of Juggernaut. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. When they redo the characters. But, yeah, so Deadpool 2, if you like the first one, you're going to love the second one. Uh, number seven on my list is a documentary, Three Identical Strangers. Uh, true story of three guys completely by accident realized they're actually triplets. Right. They were all separated at birth and given yeah. to different foster homes, right? Something yeah. like that. And then they come Just to find one another. one comes to college and everybody thinks it's the one guy. Hey, you didn't think you told me you're not going to come back. Yeah, come back. And he's like, I was never the cool kid in high school. And all of a sudden, college is like girls are kissing you and stuff like that. <laughs> and they realize, no, somebody looks exactly like you. I don't remember. You remember vaguely because I remember they were on Phil Donahue. And I was a kid in, her, in the mid, like they're like 84, 83. The 700 Club? Like, not. Isn't that no, Phil Donahue? That's Phil Donahue's own show. You're, you're, Who am I? Th I'm thinking of somebody different. You're thinking of Pat Robertson. Yeah, the Pat Robertson 700 Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but they were on Phil Donahue. They were on movies. They were on covers of People magazine. They found out that they actually were triplets of brothers. But that's a crazy. wonderful documentary. Uh, it's hard to nominate documentaries, but I think it's going to be Oscar nominated. That's why they have their own category. And it has a <laughs> revelation that is very diabolical to it. And you're just like, what is going on? So Wow, one I have to watch. One yeah. I've heard about, just haven't gotten around to watching it. Right. Once you get to the revelation, you go, you start shaking your fist at the TV screen. It's one of those, like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. But definitely, definitely worth it. Three identical strangers. All right. Well, we already talked about Hereditary and Mission Impossible. Let's bring it up to number seven. Yep. A Quiet Place. You like this one. Loved it. Yeah. I thought, you know, immediately they had me. When the unexpected happens and you see basically the baby of the family get right. taken and killed and eaten, right? Yeah. That's when I knew that this was going to be good. <laughs> but it was seriously, though, because I know, but it, I'm laughing. I'm not the, the not, but we I know, know in horror movies, kids are almost untouchable unless, yeah, it, so unless like it comes from Japan. Yeah. A, a, a horror movie from Japan, we know everything's totally awful. different. Yeah, it's totally different. Right. But from like an American horror story point of view, you, know, yeah. like you, you don't kill children. Right. Yeah. They may play a part in it, but you never kill them. Right. Like the poltergeist. Right. Carol Ann. Oh, or the shining. We know Danny's fine. Right. Yeah. You, He's he's a part of it, right? Involved yeah. in it, but not gonna get hurt. Yeah. Um. And so, I thought it was um very very well done. And yes, the ending was like, oh, you're kidding me, right? It ended kind of like, wow. I love that ending. Kind of predictable. I did love the ending. You, I loved it. Right. Yeah. It was the basically. It's the very it's very much like Whiplash ending to me. I love the ending of Whiplash. Whiplash is awesome. Yeah. That entire movie is awesome. Yes, it was. If we did podcasting back then, it would have been at our. I would have been like one of my top three. It yeah, definitely. Uh, but wow, amazing! I think be, that's be, people forget how to do good endings, and Quiet Place was a good ending. For right, me. and that's John Krasinski. I think wrote it. Yep. and directed it. Right, and his wife. Yep, him and yeah. His wife, yeah. So if you've ever seen The Office, you know um, he's in The Office. Uh, it was a great movie, I, one that I've seen a couple times because I'm like, this is really good, and like, it's one of those movies that you know you can easily miss things, and so I've seen it and like, oh, I didn't notice that the first time, and you pick up on stuff and uh, a quiet place. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Uh, what's it? I can't remember what's it called when the audience knows something but the people in the movie don't. It uh, literary. Um, it's a literary something. Yeah, that has a great one in it. Where we can, well, we can see things that they can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so let's get to your number seven there. Uh, I already did number seven. Number, oh, six number six comes from England. It was kicked around film festivals last year, so it's kind, but got released this year. So it's one of those guys. It's been around. So you may have heard of it in 2017. Yeah, but kicked we around did. film festivals in Toronto. Then they got national, you know, when you win awards in film festivals, you get distribution. And it came out in May of this year. It's called Beast, uh, starring uh, Jessica Buckley. Um, this is Michael Pierce's first ever movie, and he written and directed it. That's P-E-A-R-C, Pierce, Ooh. Michael Pierce. A wonder psychological thriller of a girl living in this type, conservative community, really uptight. I mean, uptight service and she starts dating this rebel kind of a guy and she's wondering if he's the serial killer or why these people are getting murdered murdered in town and it's a wonderful play it sounds so ridiculous but it is a wonderful psychological thriller so and she she won i would give her an oscar nomination really? for her portrayal she won uh, best newcomer for in britain jessica buckley um playing molly and has a wonderful scene of her at the dining table close to the end of the movie, the coda of her and him talking and they both reveal each other to themselves. Um, basically we all have facades, right? Sure. Sure. And it's wonderful that she can, she wears masks as well as he does. And that the, it's a wonderful revelation and a wonderful scene. Beast. Probably the best of movie beast was the, probably the best surprise of the year. Cool. I have not seen it, so yeah. one that I'll put on my list to see. Uh, what is the next one on yours? Well, we talked about Venom, but we'll go up to number five here and talk about Upgrade. Yeah. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Venom and Upgrade is kind of the same thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I I was a big fan of that, uh, was it that Henry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huge fan of that Henry movie. It's number, it's what, that number five of mine? Upgrade. You gotta be kidding me. So we both had our number nines the same and our number fives the same. Right. Like, Sometimes, folks, yeah. we did not make these lists together. But this is just kind of shows you how much of movie yeah. lovers Nick and I both are, and how we're kind of really on the same page and how we look at movies. Right. Um, so upgrade. Just a real quick premise. It's similar like to Venom, Venom. Yeah. right? But the difference being that it is an actual like artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's implant, not an organism, right? Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not an organic life form, but rather an artificial life form that this guy gets implanted with. And um, next, since you're on number five on your list, why don't you kind of uh, let us? Well, the lead, uh, the lead character is uh, what's his name? Uh, God, what's his name? It's like uh, the actor or the yeah, character. The actor, uh, Logan Marshall Green. Now, I, I, I watch this movie. Go, where's he from? Then I remembered he's the scientist from Prometheus. That's where he's from. <laughs> right, yes, right, right. Because I thought yeah. I recognized him too. But right. I, I that's didn't... why I would announce it. It's like, that's, I, I spent the whole time watching this movie. Go, I see this face before. You know, everybody that loves movies does that. Yeah, I've seen him. But yeah, he's the scientist in the Prometheus movie. Actually, kind of a jerk in Prometheus, if you think about it. But an Upgrade is uh, a nice kind of action, but logistic of how you can, you know, all these sequence and fighting sequence make sense. And it actually is how you do it. And it has this terrifying face to him. Please no, right? And he's doing it, right? Almost right. like he's not in control of his body. <laughs> right. And I thought Upgrade had a very nice twist to it too, right? Because the whole time, without revealing too much in terms of spoilers, no. you think it's really the, the, the lead scientist that is the bad person. Right. Well, right? he does a very convincing science, bad, you know, bad scientist persona, right? Right. And you think he's actually the evil person that we're trying well, to Well, you stop. give this, I, it's almost ridiculous to a point like, God, I hope this, because you're playing on a cliche that I'm just annoyed with. 
right? He's wearing the lab coat and all that. Everything, yeah. 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 Um, and then you find out uh, we were wrong. Uh, <laughs> very fast-paced, wonderful, high-octane. I don't think there's a lull in from the, you know, obviously like the first 10 minutes is a little bit of backstory and stuff, right, a little yeah. build-up, and then bam, you know, it hits when that car scene goes. Yeah, and future. it's kind of futuristic-looking cars, but a mixture of old-fashioned muscle cars and but kind of like actually, Demolition Man. You know? But it wasn't like science fiction. They, oh, this is impossible. It's like, no, oh, this yeah. is a self-driving car. People are very yeah. well, you know, if you keep yourself informed, you are well aware that Google and Uber and all these other car right. manufacturers like Tesla have self-driving cars, right? Yeah, I, got, I, I very much thought very much like Demolition Man where they had the, the muscle car was coming to save the day, but the other cars are kind of futuristic and it's a very much play on that. I love Demolition Man. Yeah. I got it. Upgrade. One of the best surprises of the year. I thought it yeah. was too. All right. Since we pull that out, you want to keep going? Well, uh, we already talked about my number four of Black Panther. Or did we not really talk about it? We just kind of mentioned it a little bit. We mentioned it a little, a little bit, yeah. I know for a lot of people that Black Panther probably is like one of their top three movies of the year, right? Because... It's different in that you had like uh, a focus on basically an entire uh, black civilization, right? Um, well, I, yeah. as as the superhero thing, right? Yeah, um, and there's a whole moral aspect of it. Why did you close off the whole world where you could have solved the world's problems? You know, right? Right. right yeah. Right. And so again, like you said, kind of takes place starts off in Oakland that we're introduced to, like right? The sister city, yeah. Right, and you know, it kind of played into I thought a little bit of. You know, okay, you have a bad younger sibling, right? That maybe kind of wants to take the throne themselves, right? Because it yeah. was like there was some jealousy in there in terms of, hey, I'm the heir to the throne and you're my brother, you're Scar, and I'm Mufasa, <laughs> right? You know, type of situation with the Lion <laughs> bit, King, yeah. right? With a little, little bit there. Um, but like you said, the whole moral aspect um, of it where, you know, hey, we could have helped solve a lot of problems and, Hey, we could have prevented this entire situation had you just done the right thing yeah. and brought the boy home, right, and not left the boy there. Um, and so I thought it was great in terms of showing, um, especially his sister, the the scientist. Yeah, um, she needs I, her own movie. She does because I, I I think that she got she got um, a little shortchanged in, in in Infinity War where obviously you're dealing with so many things. Right, you have to only can give so many people so yes. many yep. time, yep. right? Yeah. Um, where she is awesome. Yeah, she needs her own. <laughs> she is phenomenal. She's funny. Yeah. Um, she is uh, just great at her character. Um, again, I thought it was just fantastic that you saw that even like the inner strife of the kingdom, right? Right. The whole tribalism. I'm I'm king. Anybody wants to contest my kingship or my my royalty or here's. And, you know, here's your chance. Here's your chance. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, very tribalistic. Yeah. Uh, in that sense, and but not like in the sense where it's like, oh, you're savages. Like we're like, you know, like. Right. It could have. You could have gone very barbaric. No, it's very sophisticated. Right. Yeah. Very civilized. Um, it's just it, instead of having democracy and voting on it, it's like, hey, we're just gonna duke it out. But that's also based in reality of how like a pride, right? Yeah. Kind of like yeah. acts like where it's like. Uh, that's the alpha male, because uh, if, if you want to be the alpha male, go right ahead and challenge him, right? You know, type right, of situation, yeah, yeah. you know? And yeah. so it was just really just refreshing. Me. It was entertaining, I thought. That's, that's the most, yeah. And I thought it also closed the gap in a lot of other kind of storylines. Well, um, Andy Circus. Yes. Uh, and uh, what's the other guy's name? 
uh, from Sherlock, uh, The Hobbit, uh, Martin Freeman. Yes, they both are. Yeah, Martin The Freeman. Hobbit and Gollum. Now, they were both in Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um, so uh, they... <laughs> Bilbo Baggins and Gollum, basically. Yeah, and they were on Graham, the Graham Norton show, both of them. And he said the other gentlemen that were in this Black Panther movie had a word for Andy and Martin and I. And so they go, what were the the black guys referred to us? They referred to us as the Tolkien white guys. The <laughs> Tolkien white guys. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. The Tolkien white guys. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say that um, uh, whose son was it? Uh, um, Damon Wayne's son, right? Yeah. Warmonger. Yeah. Warmonger. Yep. Am I getting it right? Yeah. Wow, he, he he number one spitting image right of the Wayne's family. Right. Yeah, but he was flipping awesome. Well, you kind of knew when he was in the museum. It's like, well, this is not this is this is gonna be this isn't gonna turn out good. No, right. <laughs> but it, it's kind of like, it's one of those that we see a lot of movies that we anticipate. We kind of know, but it actually was we done very well. I mean, sometimes you could just do quick-handed and get lazy but that was that was enjoyable i thought that yeah. was really good because yeah. i'm like okay how i you kind of have a sense that something's coming like almost like hey is this going to be like the joker just going to bash in right no but there's a very plausible reason why you had to yeah yeah it's like whoa very sneaky all right number three we're getting to that close we are um number three on my list is mandy Oh, one that I wanted to talk about earlier. I can't yeah. believe that you put it up so high. Oh, my God. It was wonderful. Disturbingly wonderful. I'm going to use a lot of hyperbole with this. Disturbingly wonderful mind trip to this movie. <laughs> How would you rate Nicolas Cage in it? Uh, doing what he does best, right? Just um, And I put it on Instagram. You know, it's a cra- you, you know it's a crazy movie when Nicolas Cage is the most sane person in the movie. Right, because he's normally the most insane. Right, right, and I, it, I just had to say that it, it was a mind trip. Right, yeah, it really was. But so, like, just kind of explain why is it your number three? How did it get so high up there for you? Well, it's a. <laughs> I'm watching this movie the whole time. It's like Rob Zombie wish he could make this movie. This is like this is this, this is, is his Halloween three. Right, if Rodney <laughs> James Dio is alive today, he would just eat this up. Uh, because it's encapsulating of what a horror movie, like, you're, it's almost like a dare. It's something, like, you don't want to watch, but you're going to anyways. And it plays about all those 70s and 80s movies that we grew up with, like cults. I was going to say the cultism, right? Right, and the hierarchy. And we have this very perplexing world of him playing Red, who's a lumberjack. He's very reserved, very restrained, and his wife. And we know that once she's gone, he's going to go back to being the cage really he's just gonna go crazy you go crazy and the high the amp amplitude always amplifies up to almost the point of ridiculousness so you have this very much like hellraiser kind of aspect of these bikers and stuff and um people think it's christian whore i i'm regarded more like viking hell this is maybe yeah i'm like it's definitely not christian whore this is like viking hell if it ever was one yeah i, mean, yeah, I thought it was a little slow to start Oh, yeah, very, yeah. Right, you know, yeah. I, I thought it took like a good 20, 30 minutes, right, before yeah. it really started cooking. And once it did, it like, it was, it, there was no holding back because like you said, Nick Cage crazy. It's like Hellraiser meets <laughs> Xanadu. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> what a comparison. Wow. <laughs> right. And, and you go to the Jeremiah's Temple and I have never, I mean, why have we ever never seen a chainsaw sword fight battle before? 
Because most of our horror, the Chainsaw Massacre, dude, he he never had to fight <laughs> against that. But one of the most memorable scenes of all night 2018 is Nick Cage slamming vodka from a bottle in his underwear, going bonkers out of his mind, is going to stay with you forever. Yeah, it definitely is one that you definitely will have visions afterwards. Right, you know, right. And is. everybody's going to be looking for the chowder goblin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good movie, good yeah. movie. All right, so my number three, yeah. one that I actually just saw yesterday. Really? Oh. I, I I honestly, when I went in to see this movie, right. I had probably the lowest of low expectations just based off of previous like type of films like it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And what I came out afterwards was like just kind of blown away. I was really just blown away with how well the movie was, and that movie is Aquaman. Yeah, uh, you know my 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 initial exposure to Aquaman was from Vinny Chase. Um, if if you don't know who Vinny Chase is, do you know no. who Vinny Chase is? No. Um, are you familiar with the HBO television show Entourage? Oh well, yes, that's right. If you said Ari Gold, Ari Gold, yeah, well, Ari, Vinny Ari Gold, Chase, right? right? Yeah, Vinny yeah. Chase. Uh, he he's like the the main character in Entourage, and he he had a, he landed the lead role of Aquaman, in it, <laughs> right? And so, um, you know, I always thought it was kind of silly. Um, I know like the previous DC movies outside of Wonder Woman really weren't received too well, and so I had some pretty low expectations going into it. But it really, it was just like they got it right and. I already kind of mentioned to you this earlier yeah. when I kind of came over. I thought it was like Thor, right? right. You had mentioned Thor underwater. Not not like, known for his smarts. Right, you know, obviously. Not, not for his brains. Not for his brains, right? Yeah. I mean, he never has been, right? When he was that one guy in the uh, the, the Dragon show. Oh, the character. Right. Uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, Jason Momoa, right? Yeah. The, the the lead actor there. He he, he was funny. Well, the, what is missing from Aquaman throughout the comic book's history, and I got him all on my walls, right? You I mean, do. Uh, what really is missing from Aquaman is a personality. He really didn't have a personality. He had agendas, he had goals and talents, but he really didn't have a personality that they projected into this movie. The, exactly, they gave him a great personality, and you know, I was really surprised by Nicole Kidman. To be honest with you, her character I thought was like, wow, she did a fabulous job. I did like the play with the bar scene. That was right. funny. Right, when the guys come up, <laughs> are you that fish boy? <laughs> right, that, that, that's funny. It's right. fish man. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, it was just really great. I, I got a lot of feel, like when they went to the underwater se uh, sequence to visit Atlantis, I got the feeling of like Tron Legacy, right? And it kind of switches. The auto kind of goes more, a little more techno and a lot more bass into it and with all the lights and the fanciness and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is Tron Legacy underwater. Um, and so... It was just a fun movie, but it was like just really, really good. I'm like, wow, this was two and a half hours. You got to be kidding me! I Unlike um, Tomb, yeah, I'm going to use Tomb Raider as a reference. Sure, that's this. A this movie. one has <laughs> Tomb Raider. She doesn't have a really much a personality that she really can enjoy. I didn't feel for it at all. No, and you get Arthur. He doesn't. He doesn't really fit in anywhere, right? You know, right? You see early on that he was rejected by his fellow, you know, peers. Yeah, yeah, and such. And so they worked on the character. Um, I don't have as much, and, and everybody else does. I mean, we've had a lot of other people have a, a like everybody likes this movie. I just didn't have, you know, I give it a good solid. Right. It's one of your yeah. maybe honorable mentions. It's not in your list. Right. It's just, yeah. There's a lot of other movies out there. Obviously, I'm a bit of a, 
I, I like the 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 fan not necessarily fantasy but yeah. science fiction fantasy but based in reality type of situations. And I thought Aquaman. I'm like, hey, you know, it's a great story about Atlantis. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays his evil brother, you know, Patrick is, Wilson from The Conjuring. Yes, yeah, Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring. Exactly what I mentioned. Because I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> I've seen this guy before. You know, like he's the Conjuring dude. Oh, yeah. Um, he he was wonderful as his as his brother. You know, it, it was just there was some parts obviously that we were a little hokey, um, yeah. but you know, again, didn't waste any time. Right opened up with an immediate action action sequence yeah that's how you draw in an audience you know anyway that was my number three um there's a funny question on twitter that's going on you know if metal can't pierce his skin how did he get a tattoo please discuss <laughs> please discuss right right because like the sword like, when he gets like the bullet like blasted into it not without giving too many spoilers but essentially yeah, it's fun yeah right and it's like, like how does superman shave you know, right? <laughs> well, he doesn't cut himself shaving; he cuts the hairs, right? Because his well, hair. Well, nothing can cut him. So, well, how does he shave, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, now that you're making me think this stuff. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really. You're getting at me. You're, you're getting to me. Yeah, because right. there is a part in there where, like, they mention like some kind of metal. Yeah, yeah, they're yep. Is like, able to I, pierce him or something like that. Yeah. So maybe there you go. Maybe that was what the needle so. of the tattoo was, because his dad has the equal tattoos. Yes, he does. Yeah. Must be a fisherman lighthouse thing. <laughs> uh, number two on my list, uh, Leave No Trace with Ben Foster, directed by Deborah Granick. This Ooh. is our third movie. Um, very, very interesting. I love the cinematography. Great. Actually, it's greatly edited, too, and has one of the most enduring, resonating endings of all time. Uh, ben Foster plays uh, a veteran with PSD, does not like to live in confined spaces. They live in public parks. They get discovered. Him and his daughter, right? Him and his daughter. And it's a wonderful play on the difference between thriving and surviving. You think they're living out in the nature's world that they're not making it, but they actually they're functioning. They're they're able to handle well. She's getting educated and stuff like that. And his choice, right? Yeah, his choice. And But it, it's, it's illegal, and it, it's a wonderful question of how do you handle life you know conflicts and this movie it's ben foster realizes that living with conflicts with nature and living out nature is better than having to deal with conflicts with people ben foster is one of my favorite actors he's wonderful in this movie you know he can look out a window in this movie <laughs> that's all he's doing and a thousand things are being portrayed <laughs> basically my my take on ben foster when i saw him in 310 to yuma the remake of 310 to Yuma. Yeah, he had some awesome pants in that, too. He, he was just so awesomely evil. And then, yeah. like, he followed that up with, like, 20, 28 Days of Nights or something like that. Well, he's, yeah, uh, I think you're getting it, the title right. But Hell in High Water, he was really good, too. That's one of his more recent ones. Yeah. yeah him yeah. and him and uh, Chris Pine, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bait, he, was, he was classic Ben Foster. <laughs> well, when I say classic, it reminded me of him and his character in 310 to Yuma, where right, yep. he was just like, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't really care about anything else, you know? Um, Thomas and Mackenzie plays a daughter. There's a scene where she actually handles bees in her hands. I don't know. That's not fake. It's Jen when she opens a beehive. and play. I don't know I, will, if I ever could do that for a movie, just have bees just on my hands. If you don't try to swat them, they're not going to, like, I, try I to sting I still, God... 
But if you have yeah. anaphylactic shock and you're allergic to them, it's like. But ah. it's a whole metaphor playing of things could be dangerous for you, but if you just let them be, you know, and it's a wonderful play on them, they'll be they'll be fine. If you just leave them alone, they'll be fine. But society says no, you, you got it. You must conform to this rules. Yeah, fit in this box. Dang it. And it's a one. It's a place. I'm. Uh, these are real. life people do this. People that live. They sneak Nomads, around. Right? Live in public parks. And their motto is leave no trace. Don't leave your garbage. Don't leave. Don't leave evidence that you were here. You know. There's even a scene in Aquaman, right? The garbage the first scene, wave yeah. of the attack, right, where they throw back all of our garbage and stuff <laughs> back onto the shore and stuff. So it's like. I think that's an important thing. I, one thing we learned when we were bo- when I was a Boy Scout, you know, you go out camping, you go out and you visit these places in nature. It's like you pick up, you leave it better than what you left it. All right, next one on yours. Maybe it's not so surprising. Maybe it is. I don't know. Ant Man and the Wasp from San Francisco. Exactly. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, isn't it? Right. Yeah. We have uh, we have Morpheus in it, right? Uh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. And we Michelle have Pfeiffer. Yeah, all of them. All of them in there. Yeah. It, it's 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 a great ensemble cast. I I thought it was uh, a great story. It, it kept me entertained and it kept me engaged the entire time. Uh, on the play on scale with him and the tow was it the tow truck. Down, downtown Right Saint and they Snow, did do yeah. a lot more of the Hey you're, you're used to the tiny And you saw him get big in Civil War Yeah Right you know <laughs> Yeah and So there's yeah. A, uh, a Bay Area scene When he's like I think it's a, they're in the Bay Right yeah. where he has to get big And stuff like that I don't want to give away too much If you haven't seen it um, It's not so much important In terms of the MCU timeline to see this um, but there, you should, it, you should because yeah. it does explain why he's not in Infinity War, um, because he's on house arrest, right? Um, and it also does explain. God, it makes house arrest look fun, though. It does, right? Because like it opens up, and again, this is like uh, another example of opening up straight to like an action sequence, even though it's like a play action sequence. Right? Yeah, it's still an action sequence that draws you in, yeah. right? And his daughter is just so dang adorable too. So I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. She's just yeah. so adorable. Uh, Michael uh, Douglas yep. um, has done wonderful movies where he's based in San Francisco. In fact, his first TV show he ever did was called The Streets of San Francisco with Carl Malden. They were detectives in the 70s. Are you serious? No, I'm really. Wow. Um, another, of course, the Ant-Man series, he's in San Francisco. I think um, Fatal Attraction, he was in from, from San Francisco. What about the game? The game, I was just bringing up was set in San yeah. Francisco. So usually when a movie is set in San Francisco and I get a chuckle at it, it's Michael Douglas because like, God, he's, every movie that he's like, it's San Francisco. What right? about The Rock? <laughs> 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 Takes place in San Francisco, Nicolas Cage, and who else? Uh, Sean Connery. Yeah, the Sean Connery, Michael uh, I think that was Michael like one Bay. Of, yeah. Michael was Bay. That, was, was that a Michael Bay movie? Michael Bay, Jerry Bruckheimer, kind of a. Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. I think it was a Jerry Bruckheimer film, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm going to cut your hair on the roof of a building so we can start a car chase. Right? <laughs> I thought the, the, that's still one of my favorites, The Rock. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It, I'm going to give you a haircut. The Rock doesn't make sense. Come I'm on. I'm going to give you a haircut. Let's put him on the roof of the building. This person that can escape anything, and then they have a haircut. Right, because like um, he's been like in a concealed prison, like yeah. secretly by the yeah, CIA, and then we put him on the roof of a building, and get a haircut, and then he flees, and we have a car chase. This is yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, the Ant Man, end of the movie, post credit scene. No, not the post credits, but like during the, when they're at their vacationing, 
Okay. I think that's another one of those gimmicks for movies is we'll pay you this much money and then once you're done filming, we're going to pay for your vacation and we'll shoot it there. So I think the, that... They do that a lot, don't they? They do that a lot. So because you're actually shooting the movie, but they'll say, okay, Michelle Pfeiffer, you can bring your family there. I thought it was like the whole cast and crew get to do it too. Well, sometimes, I don't know, but it, obviously they had Michael Douglas' family. You can vacation, we'll shoot one scene. You can and, bring Catherine Zeta with you. Yeah, and then <laughs> you do one scene and then we'll stay here for a week and, you know, because they do that a lot of days for movies, for actors, actresses, like, and it all started with Science of the Lambs. That stuff happened because the end of the movie, remember, he's at the airport what at Haiti or whatever or whatever or I forget where he was Dominic going Republic or whatever but he's like I'm going to have a friend for dinner, dinner or something right. like it was yeah. one scene and the entire cast spent like an entire week vacationing and they said it was well they paid the, the movie place it's paid a tax for it. write off <laughs> We have to film here, right? And, we'll, yep. and while you're staying, well, we don't know. We have processing the film. We don't know if we have to do retakes. We'll be here for a couple of days. We'll right? be here for a while. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Right. Um, number two on my list, and it's been there since summer, The Writer. The Writer? I don't think I've heard of this The one. Writer. R- Ride, a Writer. The, yeah, Writer. R-I-D-E-R. <laughs> um, one of those that was kicked around film festivals last year, got distribution this year. Um, Chloe Zhao, she's from China. She directed and written this movie. True story about Brady uh, Jandrew, who's from the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And April Fool's Day at the Fargo Dome, he was riding a horse and he got bucked off. And with the back leg, the horse stomped on his head, cracked his head like an egg. And he's done with riding. They protect that in the movie. So um, here in the movie, he's, you actually see him all stitched up and he can't ride anymore. He's done with the rodeo. And it's a wonderful tale of what do you do with your life where you're really good at something and you can't do it anymore. It so his life was going on rodeos and doing... And that was what he, yeah, he was really good at it. And Bronco now, riding. Yeah, and now he can't do that anymore. So what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And it runs parallel with him. He buys another horse to train, and the horse is kind of like him. It's broken, but he wants to use it, and he has to shoot it, and he wonders why... <laughs> Is this a Disney film? No. <laughs> right. And, uh, why can't they just do it to me? I'm not, I'm useless anymore. And then he has a partner that went through the whole. Oh, so he's like wondering, okay, you want to bring this horse to the glue factory, essentially. Why would you not do that to me, given that I'm useless? Yeah. Um, so uh, everybody's in this, it actually portrays themselves. So his sister in the movie is actually his real sister, the dad, his dad in the movie. Who's a, oh, wow. Not the greatest dad in the world, but he's heart in the right place. Is just the way he handles things in life are not the greatest. And um, wonderful, top-notch cinematography. Um, I appreciate the ending. It's a kind of a dreamlike. He wishes he could be back on the rodeo. It's very surreal. But it's also kind of a car ride looking backwards and kind of looking forward at the same time. Um, maybe not Oscar quality kind of a movie, but I think it's second best movie of the year wow wow very powerful it is very powerful well we already talked about my number one all right and that was the avengers infinity war all right um and and again what i'll just say about it is that you know to be able to 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 bring together all these disparate characters that in themselves can stand alone in their own movie and to be able to write them in a way such that they all work together are you going to go see captain marvel Ah, uh, you, you're darn right. You're darn tootin'. Um, you know, I, I, 
I've never been like the comic book person as much as you have. You know, it's like obviously right. I that's why I'm a little perplexed. Books. You got so many superhero movies on your list there, right? You know, well maybe it's because I never really kind of got to enjoy them so much as a as a youth in terms of their comic book form. I've really kind of lo- fell in love with them in their yeah. in their movie form is is maybe one of the reasons there. But you know. I, I'm looking forward to a fantastic 2019. Uh, one of the movies I will say, though, that I don't have on my list that really is an honorable mention is Bumblebee. Um, people have kind of given the Transformer movies kind of like a crap, you know, like especially the last couple ones where it's like, this is just CGI right, robots. Moon, uh, Dark Side of the Moon or whatever. Yeah, or right. You know, I, I, I thought the first one was really done well, you know, because yeah. obviously everyone had a lot of anticipation for it. And what they got right in the Bumblebee movie that they probably didn't do so much in the other ones was that they gave Bumblebee a character and they developed it, right? So such that you actually kind of got the feel for this robot. It wasn't uh, a focus on giant robots having a battle. It was it was it was focused on the relationship between two broken individuals: the girl that finds Bumblebee and Bumblebee himself, right? And and how they heal, you know, and it it just was a really well done uh, movie. Um, there's so many other not honorable mentions that you can go off. I mean, we talked about so many movies, but yet there's so many movies we have yet to mention, right? Right. Um, but that's all I want to say for right now. I'm really interested in hearing what you put down as your number one. So number one, and I've missed. Um, it's playing in theaters right now. I've missed from Jap- um, Japan. I I don't think it's from Japan. maybe it's Shoplifters. I haven't seen that one. Um, from Poland is the Cold War. These are movies that are getting high ratings that I've yet to see. Um, Burning uh, is another one I've yet to see. Um, that uh, Really, I think it's going to be one of those that probably will be in the Academy Awards coming up. Well, Nick, um, you still have a full day left. This is only the penultimate day of the year, so okay, you got yeah. tomorrow to see all those movies. Um, number one on my list uh, is Paul Schrader, who's been making movies for five decades. Um, he's written, directed, Taxi Driver, American Gigolo, Cat People. He's done big corporate. He's done little independent. And I think he's done his best movie. It's called First Reformed with Ethan Hawke. Um, really? Here he plays uh, a reverend losing his faith, um, severe alcoholic reverend. Um, wonderful play on purity, but here's a guy preaching purity, but in himself is kind of disgusting. You know, in fact, he's his health is not going so well. He's peeing blood. Um, he's writing a journal trying to you know, really question what's going on with his, his, with his health and with himself and um, comes across a couple that are in dire straits themselves and themselves. He's trying to console somebody not to commit suicide. Doesn't work. The guy does it anyways. Mm. And it makes him even go farther into sp- despair. Oh. It's not a happy go lucky movie. But I think it has like a lot it. of weight to it. Um, Paul Schrader uses despair in the movie, kind of like a disease, kind of like passed on, kind of like it's not really ownership of a feeling, but if you surround despair, eventually it's going to it's going to get contagious, right? It consumes. Yeah, it consumes. Um, like you said, it is contagious. It spreads. Yeah, um, and not people are going to church, his church anymore, and he's competing with this mega church that's being. Um, what, that has uh, the rock band. And yeah, Cedric the Entertainer is the preacher. Yeah, it's oh. rock concert environment. And, right, yeah. And it's fun and enjoying. And here is, is this solemn, you know, old colonial. Very Luther depressing. Church, church called First Reform. Um, 
this is it's it's kind of loosely based on uh, Ingram Berman's movie Winter Light, very much similar. And I think Paul Schrader got his idea from Winter Light. If he, I think, I think you find it on YouTube as well of a Reverend Lewin his losing his faith, and it comes across one of his people and his, his congression committed suicide and mm. makes it even worse. Um, Ethan Hawke's going to get nominated. You think so? Yeah. Uh, Paul Schrader said what it took so long to make this movie. He goes, I was waiting for Ethan Hawke to age. <laughs> right. I think, I mean, Ethan Hawke for me, I, yeah. I, you know, as an actor, he, he's been in some decent films, but like for the most part, I was, blow the radar, right? Well, he's been more disappointing. Gattaca's that's it. That's it. Right. Well, I was going to say that like the purge, right. Yeah. Right? You know, he was in the purge. He was, um, even before then, though, he's had a lot of, Valleys, right? Highs and lows. Yeah, reality bites and right. He was in reality bites. Um, yeah. but Gattaca, that was like a very twisted type of like, oh, you're a purebred, but you're not, so you gotta use somebody else's pee who is and stuff. Yeah. Uh, your sick, your sick roommate or whatever it was. Yep. In there, um, that was interesting. And then he he's done a number of other movies. Um, like he did like some vampire movie. I forget what it was called, Daylight or something like that. Or sure. Daywalker, I think. And I thought that was gonna be good, and then it was just disappointing. Um, so he's been in a lot of disappointing movies that I've watched, but I know that he did that about a boy. Was that it? Yep. Um, yep. I never, yeah. I never seen it, but I heard good things about it, and I believe he also was in Sky Captain, uh, Day of Tomorrow. That was like one of the very first like all CGI type movies that used live action in it. I think Jude Law. Was that Jude Law? Jude Law. That wasn't Ethan Hawke. No, it was Gwyneth Paltrow and Jude Law. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> but I mean. I thought 2018 overall great year from for film. Man. It was, yeah, great year yeah. for film. And I know Netflix is trying to get into it. Netflix has yet to release a movie that I have thought is even good. Um, All right. Yeah, they haven't. Um, you know, I, I tried watching that Bird Box. You know, apparently it's like the number one streaming movie ever on Netflix, and I was just like, I couldn't finish it. Because I'm like, this is stupid. It would have got to a certain point where I'm like, this is just all too predictable. And it's like, how could you do this when you have, you know, such great actors such as John Malkovich in it and Sandra Bullock? And it's like, it turned out that that's when I just realized that, yeah, what people say about Netflix is greenlighting everything is true. All right. Well, that's the end of the year podcast. Well, what? you don't have any final comments yourself? You don't have any? Honorable no, mentions no. that you want to make sure we talk about that. No, Tony Collette needs to be nominated for her hereditary. Um, yeah, predictions, predictions. Let's do some Oscar predictions. First Reformed has to be for best original script. Paul Schrader probably get there. Was that written for the screen or is it based adapted? No original from a book? screenplay. Yeah, not, no. Yeah, nothing adapted. So. I know for me, I have no clue because I'm just like, I don't know what the Academy even goes off of well, anymore. Hopefully, hopefully, because everybody's been saying how this Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, hopefully it gets some kind of recognition for animated. Right, because that's, yeah. that's one I want to see and I plan on seeing it tomorrow yeah. um, or possibly tonight um, because it's one I want to see before the end of the year because the animated feature films that I've seen, other than Smallfoot, which I just thought there was no breakthrough like big thing with it, I didn't really think The Incredibles 2 was that great. Yeah. You know, I, I was actually kind of disappointed with how kind of long and drawn out and boring it was a little bit because um, it just kind of played to the same old tropes that it did in the first movie. Um, it wasn't anything kind of new and groundbreaking other than it focused on the mom versus the dad, right? Oh, shocking. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right, you know? Oh, 
But I, I, I've heard great things about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but I thought I needed to see Aquaman before I saw saw that. So that's okay. why I saw that one yesterday, and I'll try to see the uh, Spider-Verse one today because I am an AMC Stubbs member. <laughs> so I do get three movies per week for free, so I can go see it tonight. So, All right. Well, that's the end of the year podcast. Uh, we did see a lot of movies. I, I recommend as many as I could get out there and um, hopefully, um, you know, a couple of things before uh, we go. Um, thanks to all our guests we've had over the year. Um, it's been wonderful that people have been willing to come on our show and talk. Uh, we really greatly appreciate that. Um, I want to thank Dan for, um, doing the podcast with me. He sadly wasn't unable to do it this, uh, this, this episode, but he definitely will be back next year. And, um, most importantly, I want to thank all our listeners. Um, truly thank you very much for listening and taking time. Um, to listen to all the stuff that uh, we put out there. And we really do appreciate it and uh, very much looking forward to next year um, talking movies all over again. Thank you. And have a wonderful 2019. Take my-